what's up everyone welcome to another episode of zetro's toxic vault and as the cavalcade of bay area musicians come in i have yet another one although we are going to stray away from thrash metal because the bay area was not always just known for great thrash metal i think what happened is it might have been caved in a little bit because there was so much of it there's so many other good bands and today we are going to talk to one man from one of those good bands i am very happy to have in the vault mr craig Beerhorse from the ruffians at first right just ruffians, not the... Uh, right, right. Just ruffians, <laughs> right? Just ruffians, right? I used to say that about the last descendants. It was just last descendants I used yeah. to say the. I remember showing up uh, like Keystone Berkeley or something, and uh, it said the ruffians. Oh, my. And, yeah, and they were like, no, um, you're going to have to take that down. And, uh, you know, we uh, politely, uh, you know, encouraged them to do so. And they did. So, uh, yeah, ruffians. Ruffians, that's right, because the albums just say ruffians. Ruffians, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to him the last couple of days because you re-released some stuff in 2006, right? Uh, 2006, actually, we uh, did a, a, a new album, like a full-length album. Well, you did, but you also re-released yeah, yeah, the old yeah. stuff because I was listening to Fight for Your Life. Yeah, yeah. I was listening, I sure. remember that. Sure. I remember that. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, that album came out in May of 85, Right and um, not a full record though, it was, right? It, it was, was a six, EP, six song six EP, songs, yeah. right? Because we songs. we just went ahead and and uh, recorded it ourselves, paid for everything. We put the album which back out. in the day people didn't really do back then at that time because you had to print vinyl and you had it was you know there were logistics, cost. yeah. There yes, was, yeah, there was logistics. There to was it. logistics, and um, but uh, we just. You know, we only, we only had so much money, so we did six we songs. That, right? Right? That's all right. <laughs> and um, but th that whole um, first album and, and uh, the whole record label that was uh, because of Lori, my older right. sister. So which we'll get into. Yeah. Which I want to talk to Craig. Actually, this guy's like old school when it goes to talking about old school '70s hard rock. In fact, he has the best '70s hard rock. Uh, uh, tribute band ever. Uh, they are the best, the Butlers. But we'll get into that as well. What made you tick? Now, your parents were kind of part of the scene a little bit. They were kind of more hipper than other parents. You and your sister are mine and my brother's age, basically. Yeah. What what ticked in the, in the Beer Horse family in the late 60s, early 70s when we were building this? Well, you know... We have that in common because we have older siblings, right? right. You, you know, your brother John. John's two years and, older, right? Yeah, and so my sister, she was five years older than uh -huh. me. So, um, you know, my parents were young, just probably like most people's parents at that age, you know, you know, they, they got pregnant and they got married, right? right? You know, what were they and, listening to, Craig? So, they, um, they, you guys were Berkeley family, right? Yeah, grew up in Berkeley Hills. Uh, my mom went to Berkeley High. Um, Man. And uh, my dad went to El Cerrito High. And uh, where Phil Lesh went to El Cerrito High. Phil was, I think, maybe about a grade older than my dad. And um, El Cerrito um, was uh, uh, Tom and John Fogarty. Who right. he became who's friends with as well, you know. So, um, but yeah, growing up around the house, I mean, of course, since my dad was friends with the, uh, you know, Tom uh, Fogarty from Creedence, listened to Creedence Clearwater all the time, uh, Neil Diamond, um, right. you know, the birds, um, so Hendrix, that, yeah, hippie country, 
uh, not so much Hendrix. Uh, he had like the Zeppelin, first two Zeppelin albums, um, you know, stuff like that. And so I was always like, oh, yeah, the record player is like, you know, is like in the magic area of the house. And, sure, uh, right. That's where all the cool, so, the good stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. So he taught me how to operate that. And it was, you know, you know I tried to do it by myself a couple of times, got scolded. It's like, no, no, I'll, I'll show you how to do this. But to put the record on yeah, the stacker put the record and put the on, arm yeah. over so that it dropped perfectly down. You put you the know? needle on just right on, yeah. and that whole jazz. And after he saw I could do it, then I kind of had free reign. So I was putting on some of his records. How and, old were you uh, at this time? Oh, probably like, uh, you know, 10 or something, 10 years old. And So um, we're talking early 70s, 73, 74, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds about... Um, no, it is 75. I would have been 10, 10 years old. 75. And then uh, he had the headphones, and uh, we put on some headphones listening to, like, the birds or something like that. And he was like, yeah, check it out, you know, and sitting in the recliner chair. And then that's when I kind of got, you know, intrigued with the whole, uh, you know, the magic of music, you know. Anything like Alice Cooper, Black Sabbath? No, he wasn't into yet. that. No, Not into that yet. No. So you didn't know it existed then? I didn't know about Black Sabbath or, or anything like that. I, you know... Led Zeppelin was about as kind of heavy, heavy as he, contemporary as he, got. as he uh -huh. got, you know. And, um, but then, you know, my sister was listening to that stuff too. So she was kind of feeding off it a little bit. And, um, you know, of course, you know. So she, then she's 15 in 1975, then basically. So, you know, so. Oh, yeah. She, uh, yeah. So that's, that, that's what, yeah. so if you guys are five year difference, yeah. that means. She's listening to probably Alice Cooper and Led Zeppelin she, and Aerosmith. At that and, point, she was kind of listening to um, uh, the Bay City Rollers, you know. Really, I and, do and, remember and, that. And, and uh, David On Cassidy Saturday night, yeah. and the Partridge Family right. and uh, Teen Beat Magazine and all really? that stuff was kind of like when she's like, uh, you know, 14, 15 years old. And yeah, David Cassidy was everything, you know. Donny Osmond was on the cover of that show. Yeah, I remember yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, Donny Osmond. And um, yeah, she went to a Donny Osmond show because uh, my grandfather he lived in Reno. So I think Donny Osmond or the Osmond brothers or something played in Reno. And she got, you know, he'd throw out the, like the, the, uh, the purple velvet hat, you know, that he wore. Sure. She got the hat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She had the hat. And was, oh, yeah, she was stoked. It always, like, hung in a certain place in her room. It's like, bet. don't touch the hat. Hell no. Yeah. I remember anybody, if any of your rock stars was to hand you something. Back in our day, if, I mean, now you can get a, I, I do video shout outs for people on Cameo, but now it's like, you, you know, if you got, back then, if they even opened the side door and you saw a glimpse of them go like that, you'd be like, Oh my God! I just fucking saw John Bottom walk in the backside room, and he waved at me. And sure, you'd be stoked forever, let alone to catch the fucking hat. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, Those are our heroes, man. I'm, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's where you know her her idol, teen idols, I guess. And uh, but no, then she she got into pretty quick after that. She was into. Uh, uh, started getting hip to like you know the babies you know because it was kind of a little more geared towards chicks you know sure. and uh, but no Mario Speedwagon yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. like like Montrose you know uh -huh. and like and like Aerosmith toys in the attic and uh, 
Like she had Eddie. Were Mon- you following suit with this and listening? Yeah. To so yeah, of? I mean, yeah. So I mean, it Is was this how Craig got heavy. Yeah, yeah. That's how Craig got heavy. Was well, I listened to the Babies and and then and then uh, she had the first Montrose album. And when I heard Bad Motor Scooter from the other room, what is that? I just wait a minute. That's the guitar. Everything stopped. I just ran in the other room like, what's that? You know. And then that first Montrose album was kind of like part of my rock bible, you know. Sure. And then. Uh, uh, you know stuff like that and so then uh so yeah then i already learned how to use dad's record player so you know Lori's record player was no problem yeah and so i just was in there and that basically turned into my record player uh-huh. and so i'd be going through her records checking it all out and uh yeah the montrose the aerosmith um you know the babies stuff like that that she had really struck a chord with me and what was the first thing you bought that you went out and said fuck i or or leafed through went to the record store i don't know if you did this i did this i went to the record store and i would spend an hour and a half there just holy shit that record cover looks good i bought uh 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 the lou Reed record just because he looked like frankenstein on rock and roll animal yeah the only reason i bought that record is because his eyes were blacked out and I thought, you know, on the cover, he's like, I'm all, he's Frankenstein. And I bought the record. Wasn't really what I expected, but uh, yeah, that it was deep though back then. Like you look at the records, like, oh, this is heavy, man. This is kind of spooky it, stuff. It was very you know? spooky because it wasn't radio quality at that time. When right. we grew up, it was KFRC. If right. you were on KFRC, everybody knew who you were. Yeah. FM stations were like, what? K-San? Who listens to that? You know what I mean? But and, you saw Rock and Roll Animal, too. It's oh, like, yeah. That, yeah, you draw... Well, that's you're, another... Exactly. You're drew into I was that. like, what is this? Wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. Rock and Roll Animal. So that album, man, is like a great album. And I got hit to that album from uh, Chris Atchison, the other guitar player in Ruffians, yeah. because that has... Um, um, Lou Reed, I mean, you know, this kind of Lou Reed, but he surrounded himself with a great band at that time. And um, on that album, he had um, Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter on guitars who who played with Alice Cooper as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, that intro, um, those guitars and the guitar weaving of those guys playing together on that intro before they go into Sweet Jane uh-huh. is something else, man. I still crank that. That's just great. And after that, they go in that real droney heroin song. Yeah, there's like, that yeah. that was the thing for me. Yeah, too. yeah. I I felt that um, it was like the first time I heard Deep Purple. I was like, "What the hell is this?" You know what I mean? Like, it was a little bit. I was so used to like radio rock. You know what I mean? Or and I I listened to that and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And this the keyboard solos and the guitar solos was so different for me. So I I wasn't I didn't have a problem with venturing out there so yeah well i mean we're cut from the same cloth man i mean because, so what was your because, first record well what? you've segued right into it okay because it was deep purple made in japan no way was yeah, it yeah, yeah i mean see that <laughs> see that exactly so so um i because you know i heard smoke on the water and it was just like oh man that was another sort yeah, of like uh uh, monumental riff for me, like you know, Bad Motor Scooter, Montrose, and and that whole thing. But and the then, tone to me, it's the, yeah, the tone. The tone, it's and like, then yeah, and when you when you get your first guitar, that's like one of the first licks you learn how to play, and you learn it on you learn it on one string. Bum 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 bum. Anybody, bum. Yeah. you could do it yeah. in the first day, yeah. and then after a while, you get the two chords down, yeah. and then you could actually round, yeah, round. yeah. yeah. You can actually rock it. After a while, I can play "Smoke yeah. on the Water." God damn it! After a while, if you learn how to play guitar for you, like, oh no, he's not playing it like that. Yeah. You, you, you learn how to play exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, to me, it was um, it was well, I I've said this before. It was Zeppelin Four because I uh, 
when I heard Stairway to Heaven, and then the whole first part of the song is really cool, and it's kind of the buildup. But when he hits that high note at the end, and and as we and as we wind on down the road, and Jimmy plays the lead guitar. I didn't know what that was called. I didn't know what's called lead guitar. I was like, I tell people that play the guitar, play. I go, can you play Stairway to Heaven? Oh yeah, play the the jam part at the end, and they play. They play the chords. I'm all no, no, no. The other part, you know, the, the lead. <laughs> exactly. We yeah, know the, yeah. the the thing because I know the lead. That was, it was the tone that caught me. Yeah. I never heard anybody, and as we just really get, and as we That's how it is, man. You know, um, never and, heard that before. Yeah, but going back to like buying that first album was like, because, you know, records were like, uh, you know, they're like five ninety nine or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of money to buy a record. So you really, you know, chose wisely. But but uh, I walked down to, because uh, I live in Berkeley Hills, I walked down to Rather Rip Records, which was on uh, the north um, side of uh, campus of, of uh, Cal. And it was this... Uh, uh, groovy uh, record store, like right there on the north side of campus, and uh, I went in there, and that's where I bought it. And I think a double album was seven ninety nine. Right. So yeah, I bought that, and it's like, uh, yeah, it was pretty epic. Yeah, uh, and that was a great record store, man. They it, they always had all the promo posters upstairs, and uh, if you know the, the guy saw you after a while, you know you go, hey man, what promo posters you got? You know, and he let you go upstairs and oh kind of go I through. Think, them. I had the same guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. In town, he had a place called World Records. Yeah, and I at least bought a forty five every week from his yeah. store. And anytime I come in, he'd have all like these. These hanging ones, like these ones that you know, like you can hang, and they would be like three. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I had a cat scratch fever one where it was three sides of Ted Nugent, and then it hung down, and there was these hands. That yeah, like a, like, like, a, like 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 a mobile. A mobile, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. It was. it was a fucking mobile, uh, and, and it was so cool. And every time I'd go in, he got and any guy go, you know, he knew me. Hey, Steve, hey, I got check it out. And after a while, he knew. Hey, I got I saved one of these for you. you like, and yes. my whole room had like, you know, Pink Floyd. Dark side of the mobile hanging sure. out, you know. Because because when you filled all the walls with posters, then you started filling the ceiling with posters. Oh, believe me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had those big uh, collage ones, those jumbo posters with the collage of Zeppelin or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and then they did Zeppelin <laughs> 2 then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, second yeah. one because the first one was so major. Yeah, right, right. And then it would be like rock stars and there would be like Joe Perry yeah. and Mick Jagger and then uh, Roger Daltrey and had a bunch of different guys on it. Throw that in. All. Throw that in with a few Evil Knievel posters. Oh, totally. And it's that totally. was my bedroom. Hey, look right behind you. Hey, I have this. Yes. Uh-huh. And it still works. Uh, Snake River Canyon. Snake River Canyon. That's yeah, it. That's yeah. it. I love that one. It was on ABC, man, on, that, on TV. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And it was the suspense was it just was, crazy. It was like the ramp was, you know. Uh, yeah. It's not even a motorcycle, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come Whoa, on. It's a and rocket. Then, and then like this. Uh Parachute came out, and then he almost drowned. If he would have landed in the actually in the lake, he would have drowned. And we're just like, no, evil Knievel's dead. No, it can't be. And he made it out for all the shit he went through. No, we are the same kid. Creature features, obviously. Creature features, yeah, of course. Yeah, I asked that about everybody. If you notice, I'm completely all horrored out. Before that, my sister used to watch Dark Shadows. I used to have that. I have every episode in the house. I have Barnabas tattooed right there. I am the hugest Dark Shadows. 
Fan. So so my sister watched that, and I remember uh, uh, it was like kind of late in the afternoon. And, right, it was uh, a serial. It was soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Just like but, Jared but, came on the Jeff. But General I was pretty Oswald. young, and she, and I was kind of scared to watch it, man. When I was a little awesome. kid, and she'd tell me like when to close my eyes or something. And then, uh, oh yeah. But by the time Creature Features came out, we started watching, you know, all that sort of stuff. Night of the Living Dead. Oh yeah, of course. That. That's where everybody saw Bob Wilkins, my man, my man Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was cool. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the dude. You'd stay up late to watch that. You'd stay up late to watch Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Okay. Exactly. And Midnight and Special. Midnight Special. Yeah. Exactly. And that's when you had the TV guide. And you yeah, could look like, in the very back and, and see, see like, it was. it was like, exactly. oh man, Thin Lizzy's going to be on Don Kirshner's right. rock concert. Exactly. So you'd stay up to watch it. And, and like, whatever band you wanted to see, they were on at the very end. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. How about when uh, Phantom of the Kiss, Phantom of the Park came right. out? Because we didn't have DVRs in that time. They showed it at like, I think it was on a Friday night at like 7 o'clock on NBC. You could have shot a bullet in that fucking town and not hit anybody. Exactly. Every kid was in the house. Watch, because we had to. I had to. Rudolph, you got one shot at yeah. Rudolph a year, remember? Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. One shot at that uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and, and, and uh, the Great Pumpkin. One shot at it. No, not like today you can, you know, yeah, the, the, the on kiss, demand or the whatever. The kiss thing, I, I mean, I remember like, you know, even pretty, being pretty young, I was like, the plot kind of sucks on oh, this. This, so this is kind of like, so this bad. is pretty cheesy, man. I mean, and then the second, the robot band, they took instead of, uh, uh, um, um, what song did they do? Rip, rip, rip and destroy. And I was like, if you think about it now, those lyrics are actually cooler than the original lyrics. You God. know, did you, Hotter than were, hell. Were you into Kiss? More a Zeppelin guy. Than yeah. I, than I was more into Zeppelin. I was into Kiss because... It was rock and roll, and it was ruthless, and Gene was a demon, and I liked monsters, and I liked the whole fire. And but musically, you you were more drawn to I'm like the Zeppelin, Zeppelin Deep Purple so stuff. Sure, that sure. Uh, a Rainbow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Thin Lizzy, obviously. Yeah, right, Nazareth, right, right. Like you have on. Yeah, right there. When was your? Uh, when did you start playing? When did you actually go fucking? Fuck the fuck putting the needle on the, the turntable. I could do this. Yeah. Um. I got my first guitar. I was probably like maybe 14, summer of 14, 14 going on 15, something like that. What was and, it? And uh, well, you know, I I wanted a Les Paul, man, because I had. Did you get a Gibson Les Paul? Well, I'll tell you how it went down. Or did you get a Memphis Les Paul? I'll tell you how it went down. Uh, it had to be either like a black. Les Paul for Frampton, you know, I was into Frampton. That Frampton comes live on. I love oh, that album. Oh God, come on! And uh, or it had to be a sunburst Les Paul, like Jimmy Page, right? And uh, I wasn't too picky that the if it was going to be black, I didn't have to have three pickups. Two pickups were fine. But uh, we went down to Tupper and Reed Music in Berkeley. My dad took me down there, and it was the place with the sheet music, and they had they had horns. And uh, it wasn't Guitar and, Center, and it was yeah, it wasn't Spitzers, it, yeah. And then so Leo's. so yeah, so he saw the Memphis, played the Memphis for a while, and even then, you know, like my buddy had a Strat, a friend of mine that I picked up his guitar a couple times. So I was like, I got to get one of these, you know, got to get a guitar. And then I played a couple other people's guitars, and the Memphis just didn't feel right. The bolt-on neck, it just was like, and my dad saw saw my face, kind of like, he's like, all right, man, let's leave, and so. Uh, we went down to Leo's and we uh, went in there and um, they had some pretty cool guitars. They had real shit. At they Leo's. had real stuff, man. Yeah, that became my kind of go-to yeah, buy strings right. place. Take the bus, sure, take the bus down there. Yeah. And uh, so, so he goes, "Hey, well, let's just start looking at the classified flea market." So I'd look at it. He'd look at it. And I'd be like, "Oh man, guitar." 
black Les Paul custom. And he's all, okay, let's go check it out. So it was, uh, it was a guy that listed $400. And we went down to some apartment building in Berkeley. And uh, I had saved up some money, you know, from chores and whatnot. And then my dad had some money put in the pot. And so he said, uh, okay, he goes, man, here. Take $360, put it in one pocket. Take the $40 and put it in the other pocket. He goes, if you can walk out of that place with a, a, a guitar for 360 bucks, you know, that $40 was part of the money I gave you. You know, you can have it. You keep it, you know, so... Uh, hey, thanks, pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go in there. He goes, and he goes. When you pull out the twenties, you know, count them real slow in front of the guy. So, uh, so we go in there, check out the guitar. He opens up the case, and I'm just like, oh, you know, Black Les Paul, and uh, trying to, you know, curb my excitement. And so, you know, picked it up, played "Smoke on the Water," and then uh, <laughs> that is stairway to heaven. And uh, walked out of there with the guitar for three hundred sixty bucks. Man, it had the, you know, the case with the uh, purple velvet in it. Man, I was just like, oh. hard shell case. Yeah, it's happening, yeah. man. I had it, so you know, didn't leave the bedroom and just kind of, you know, learned how to play guitar from kind of hanging out with some friends. Um, and uh, a friend of mine would show me some licks like that and show me how to like listen to albums and learn how how to play off stuff like that. You know, kind of teach me A, you're in the key of A and things like that. And I took some lessons from this guy named Joseph Delio, a real hippie guy in Berkeley. And I've tried to look for him since like on, you know, through the internet or social media. Can't find the guy anywhere. Like want to thank him, man, right? Because... Uh, you know, before that, he, my dad took me down to lessons for like, you know, lasted one lesson. The Mary had a little lamb guy, you know, sure. and then we found this guy, Joseph Delia, and he was like the hippie guy, that snake in his house, man, and all sort of stuff. And he taught me how to play some Zeppelin stuff and all that. Started learning how to play off records. So Montrose album, man, that's how I learned how to play guitar off the first Montrose album and Zeppelin too, you know, down, 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 down. Right. Pick up the needle, pick up the needle, pick up the needle, uh -huh. and, and learn how to play, and then learn how to play like make God, it last. Well, fucking hard that was. Yeah, yeah. Down, 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 and then you know. So it was. Uh, then you got into cassettes though, and it was like bang, bang, bang. You right. kind of that was a little easier, yeah. and uh, but yeah, that's kind of it's how I got into learning how to play guitar, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, then I got into it pretty quick playing with other people. That's awesome. When um. When was your first band? Can you remember? And I mean, I don't give a shit if you put together three guys and played at the fucking eighth grade uh, talent show. When was it? Okay. So this goes back to my dad's uh, connection being friends with Tom Fogarty from Creedence. So um, his son, yeah. Jeff Fogarty. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He so was we, part of the scene Yeah, we for a lived while. in the you know, kind of same neighborhood. And so um, Tom would come over, um, hang out with my dad, and he'd say, uh, you know, saw that I had the car. He'd say, hey, Craig, man, you need to, you need to hook up with Jeff. He's, he's getting really good, you know? And uh, so I go over and hang out with Jeff, and I'd see him in a while, and he's playing, and he's in the same stuff I am. Scorpions, UFO, Montrose, Deep Purple, all this sort of stuff. So uh, What year is this about? Probably? This is probably like 1981, Okay, you know? And... Uh, so we got a band together, and it was me, Jeff. Jeff played guitar and sang. I played guitar. And uh, Luke Bowman, who was the drummer for Ruffians, right. played drums. And this bass player guy named Rich was playing bass, El Cerrito guy. And um, so we started uh, playing. I mean, the set was basically like, uh, you know, Wasted, the song Wasted off the first Leopard album, uh, about four songs off Tokyo Tapes, uh, you know, Shoot Shoot. Um, of course. You know, uh, Too Hot to Handle, um, a bunch of UFO. But then we would do like... Uh, 
we did Small Faces song, the song called All or Nothing, uh-huh. which we didn't know was a Small Faces because UFO covered it. Really? And later on, we learned, you know how you oh, learn yeah, later sure. on, you, that oh, that's, that's the original band that did it. So we started playing backyard parties and stuff like that. And then we played like the talent show and like, you know, 10th grade and all that sort of stuff. And then um, after that, that band kind of turned into, that band was called Thrust. Thrust. <laughs> Well, and who came up with that name, Craig? Was uh, that you? No, I, I, Luke did. Yeah, Luke came up. Thrust. This is one for the ladies. For the, I guess it is <laughs> one thrust. Just one thrust. Yeah. Huh? And so that after that, uh, that band turned into Thrasher, which was um, uh, Dan Moore on bass, another neighborhood right. kid from Berkeley, and then. Um, uh, then we got this guy, uh, Chris Mignogna. Yeah, he played in, uh, he was in Ruffians. With Ruffians, Dan Moore. And then uh, and we got um, uh, a drummer named Chris Mignottis, uh who was in the first original drummer for Laws Rocket the, for the first free shows. Uh-huh. And we had a band. And then it was kind of the same set, you know, same Scorpions, UFO, and all that stuff. And then, But we you know, written like three or four songs at that point, you know. I think the first song we wrote was called, like, Killer. You know, dun, 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 you know, she's a killer. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. I love that. Of course. And so, uh, what was the first gig? Um, that first gig was like uh, another backyard party. Yeah, you know. And then we we'd play uh, uh, when Jeff Fogarty's mom was out of town. Like they had the big mansion I house. Love the house. Man. I love yeah. Fogarty's house. Yeah, dude, up in the hills. I remember, yeah, yeah I used that to was have a, parties oh, up there after. That, uh, some gigs at Ruthie's, we'd go back to Fogarty's house. That was the ultimate 70s mansion, like, you know, in the oh, Berkeley wood, Hills. Wood-toned and oh, stuff. Oh, dude, wood-toned like stained glass. Stained, exactly. It with, was totally with the, with the drop of bathtub yeah. uh, with the ferns and all yeah, this sort oh, of stuff. Yeah, badass house. Oh, dude. And it's had the billiard room up there um, where uh, it was like a sort of a... It was a beautiful room, and it had like a little uh, step up with a library, and that was the stage, right? So we'd play there, like have our own parties, and uh, I remember we would practice there and jam in that room all the time. Jeff, uh, Jeff Fogarty's mom would come up and just be like, you know, will you guys please turn it down. It was just like, you know, not this again, because she relived that, you know, her husband, oh, sure. Tom, husband jamming in that room with like people like Jerry Garcia, yeah, right, exactly. and like, you know, all that. He so- was the brass. Yeah. They were the brass they would have, at that time. Sure. Yeah, they'd have Nate, late night like, jams. Fucking with- brother who's yeah. still killing it you yeah know I mean? totally and so now her son's doing it with us you know like, but on a, a more edgier music though yeah you know, totally way louder way just you know for what it's worth way more obnoxious than, than she probably thought what tom was playing was obnoxious with it oh i know <laughs> yeah. come on because it's so hippie then, yeah yeah you know, yeah oh suzy q and then How, yeah. that to that to fucking well, fight for your life or yeah or right. something in the vein of yeah. UFO or Judas Priest, right, or, you right, know, right, totally. What you were, what you were branded on, so, exactly. So, did you ever do a big, like a, a club show with this band? No, we didn't play. Um, play like a rec center, you know, stuff like that. We played the basement of. Uh, uh, the school, like the grammar school that I went to, the school of the Madeline in, in Berkeley. It was the basement of the church, of course, you know. And then we played Speedy's Coming by Scorpions. God. I remember Jeff going, this is for all for all you guys on pills, you know. <laughs> this was called awesome. Speedy's Coming. And like, you know, the nuns are down there going like, pills. no. What kind, of pills? what kind of pills are you talking about? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you, won't, you guys won't be playing here again at the church. Uh, so yeah, stuff like that. And uh, so that, and then that band kind of just fizzled out. And then Where did you now you did a stint in laws? Was that at this that time? was, yeah, that's right then. So that that band died out with Jeff Fogarty, and then uh, I um, 
uh, hanging out down at Keystone Berkeley. Um, I knew this uh, this girl, and she was friends with Aaron Jellum's girlfriend. Uh-huh. And so um, we were kind of looking to start a band, and we're all hanging out there. And and she comes up, and she's all, you got to, you know, she, I'd met her before. She goes, you got to meet my boyfriend. He, he's killer. He, he plays guitar just like Michael Shanker, you know. And so it, it, he's looking to start a band and, and all this. So um, we... Uh, that's how I met Aaron Jellum. And so, uh, yeah, me, Aaron, and I was hanging out. I already knew Mike Coons. We had already been, was it, was we already been raised in hell. So I already, him and Coons, you were already together at this time? No. Uh, um, Jell didn't know. Jellum didn't know Coons at this time. Oh, my. I was already friends with Coons because um, Michael Coons. I call him Coons. We all do. It's, yeah, it's, because... Um, my older sister Lori and his older sis, uh, and Mike's older brother Bob, Bob were friends. Right, Bob, who's amazing, amazing. guitar oh my player. God. I mean, he's like Al Demiola. He's just—it's stupid. It was another inspiration. Going to Mike, Wait, going to Mike's sure. house when I was a kid, we'd see Bob play and be like, "Oh my!" Well, from such a musical God. family, I want to yeah. get the, uh, when I get the Coonsie in. Yeah, yeah. Everybody plays in that family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, dad plays piano, sings. sings. He's mom. done game, A's games. He did A's games. Yeah. So sister plays piano. Bob's, you know, the Mus- old yeah musical. Family. into it yes definitely so um so yeah where were we so then um yeah i already knew mike and then uh when i was doing like the thrasher thing mike had a band called faculty x with al lucchese on drums really yeah from the uh uh famous from, from sound course, studios sound yeah yeah studios, our, 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 and risk right risk yeah right with, with no, no, bob risk was actually that was with bob and so, Al and, and, and Russ Boltwood. Bolt, yeah, yeah. Mike, yeah, that wasn't Mike. Mike, I don't think he Mike ever said. No, he wasn't. Al was yeah. in Risk with Bob. Right? Yeah, right. right risk how, Bob. how incestuous yeah. that is. So, uh, but Mike had Faculty X, and I had the Thrasher. So anyway, it was it was all like everything was a setup, man, for what's coming next, right? You, you know, you 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 form bands with friends from the neighborhood, people that you know, people that you like, people that you raise hell with, people that you're throwing apples at buses with, right? That's how bands were were formed, you know, and it, and it was pretty neat. So. Uh, um, so yeah, so what happened was uh, uh, me and Jell started talking, and we were like UFO, 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 scorpions, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and, and Aaron was Def Leppard. You know, Aaron could play lead, man. You know, yeah, Aaron and could so play lead. and uh, I, I could play a little bit of lead, but nothing like he he could. You know, so uh, but uh, so somehow we, me and him, and. Uh, we got a, that drummer, uh, Chris Mignottis, I mentioned earlier from, from that Thrasher, and uh, Dan Mora, uh, and uh, we started playing. And even before Mike, I think we tried, Aaron knew this singer, because this guy can sing just like Rob Halford. And so we had this guy come over, and he was, uh, and he was, he was killer, man. He was killer. And uh, Who was he? I forget the guy's name, dude. So but he, he never could, made. He, he could hit the high E yeah. above C, uh, like with the clarity of like it was insane. So um, <clears throat> I forget how it happened, but somehow Bob Coons had heard of this guy, and um, him and Brian Kehoe had a band Brian called Obsession Kehoe. for a while, and they got that singer. They stole him like before we could even do anything with the guy. Stole him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, this guy we weren't we weren't on the same. We weren't kind of meant to be hanging out with each other anyway right so then it was just like you know michael coons it's like well of course okay okay so we what, have to you know what was going on with faculty x at that i think time? he was still maybe kind of in faculty x or something so then uh so you stole him so i i don't know so i was telling just like say you did makes for yeah, better yeah, TV. yeah sure they sure stole him. so i was like hey uh is michael coons man and he'd, he'd met mike a few times i think or something so <laughs> uh yeah so that's kind of how laws started and um 
and then we started playing, you know, party, played a rec center. Then uh, uh, Jeff Weller, our manager at the time, he said, uh, hey, man, I can get you guys a gig at this Metal Monday at the old Waldorf. Oh, my. And we're like, oh, yeah. So I think uh, me and uh, Jill went over there with him and saw like like Hans Naughty playing or something like that. I right? remember them. <laughs> yeah, dude, they were like the Van Halen. They were the Van Halen. They were the, the Van Halen. Area. They the were area with the loincloths and all yeah, this sort of totally. stuff. It was like, and uh, yeah, I mean the guy could rip man and all this stuff, but we're looking at it like, yeah, this is not the. The the songs or the look that you know we you know but he goes man they they, they want you on the bill so we're like you know we'll play with anybody at that point to get in the old Waldorf so then I think the first gig was with Hans Naughty that was like eighty two yeah Metal Monday right yeah Metal Monday yeah Queen, Queenie Taylor used to book that yeah 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 Queenie? Queenie, yeah Queenie and yep. then uh, and Tony Don, too. Don Holiday Tony was on that yeah yeah and uh, Rachel Matthews yeah, was there Rachel. that's that KRQR right ninety seven point seven um uh would uh, radio rock radio yeah. would host the metal mondays and it cost it it cost a dollar 97 some of the yeah, tickets it was, yeah it was that's what it was yeah dollar because nobody went to a show on a monday night on a monday night and they figured if they were going to have metal let's put it on the night where nobody's going to go yeah, we, exactly. we got an open club fucking yeah. we might let the metalheads come in this, yeah. it's this new sound that's come out with, where people stand there and do this they, th- they threw us a bone, right? We were, right. The, we were the, oh, un- yeah. we were oh, the, yeah. we were the underdogs. Oh, yeah. We were the underdogs, and uh, so yeah. So then you know, played a few shows there, and uh, and all that stuff, and then yeah, and then shortly after that, that was like '82, and then um, <clears throat> I was in the band for a while, and then and then uh, started Ruffians after that. Did you start? Did you leave amicably? Did you leave because? No, no, because um, uh, they wanted a. Uh, the bass player at the time, I think he was kind of he. What they were, they all wanted another guitar player Would that, that be was Dave more Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Dave. Well, we got, I haven't seen him in years, but uh, we, uh, yeah, him and I got in a fist fight. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but I heard at, that about him and a lot of people. Yeah. Right. So, so and that, he was much older. So amicable. No. Um. Uh. Looking back at it, looking back at it now, it was just it's. It's it's all part of the thing. It's fu- it's funny. It's, it's fun. Of it's, course, it's great, man. It's so, history. But yeah, so so it turned to fists, and then uh, and so yeah, um, they got Phil Kentner, who was already uh, a, uh, I I knew Phil already, and because he played with Chris Atchison, who would become the guitar player in Ruffians, Ruffians right. in a band called Captain Midnight, that was like the cool Berkeley party band, and that was with um. I want to say because they could both shred. They could both say Chris Atchison on guitar shred, and, and Phil could Phil shred. Phil was amazing, Shredder. like a Van Halen kind of guy. Played those fucking Moonstone, yeah, guitars, yeah, yeah, man. and all this stuff. Yeah, and so, um, and uh, Mike Mong was the singer, and um, well, he did a stint in Exodus for a minute yeah. at Freaky Exodus. Yes, yeah, in Exodus, he was uh, the guitar player the guitar for like a minute. Yeah, just for a minute before uh, they got Rick. Rick before, before Rick. Rick. Yep. So I mean, it just shows you, man, sister. how incestuous this Bay Area. Oh God! Crowd is come man. on me. Legacy and testimony. Yeah. It's, it's just it's you whether know, who whether who you're playing in a band with or who you're dating. Exactly. It's just like it's all a melting pot. Man. It, it totally, totally. Yeah. I, well, that's kind of how it went. It was back yeah. then, you yeah. know. So uh, she's my girlfriend now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Sure. I love that. And back then, you know, and and you know, we all have girlfriends. <laughs> I'm, I'm still friends with my girlfriends from back then because. Man, that was such a such monumental part of our life, you know? And if you're hanging out with them back then and they were cool, I mean, there's a reason you hung out with them because they were cool. So why not 
you know, st- stay cool with everybody. It was, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a cool time. So talk about putting yeah. the ruffians together. I want. I, yeah. I, yeah. So, um, what year are we in now when you started this? Is it 82 or even 83 yet? So, yeah, so Ruffian. So, um, I would say 82. No, yeah, probably early 83. Yeah, somewhere around there. And so, um, Phil goes to Law's Rocket. Chris Atchison, who is playing with Phil, needs a band. Me and Chris start hanging out together, playing guitar with Luke Bowman. Um, who was in a band before that with Chris Atchison and Phil Kentner called Heretic. We missed out on Heretic. Oh, didn't get Heretic. That was after Captain Midnight. But anyway, yeah, so there you have it. Um, and was Dan right away? So, yeah, so we um, started, started Ruffians was me, Chris Atchison, and Luke Bowman on drums. The three of us start playing, playing music in Luke Bowman's basement in the Berkeley Hills. Uh, start writing a bunch of songs right off the bat, man. And... Um, we get Dan Mora, and uh, amazing bass player, kind of a kook, you know, kook of a guy. Uh, Solid though. Yes, uh, yeah. Play with his fingers. The guy could play anything. Play John. Play the Who. The guy could play Rush. The guy was amazing bass player. Quiet. Man. Very quiet. Very guy. quiet. Kind quiet. of like getting a little. You know, he's those bass players that would be kind of those guys get on your nerves sometimes. But God bless him, man. I mean, I love that guy. I've known him since he was we were like twelve. You know. Really? Yeah. We grew up as kids. But uh, and, and so, Carl Albert too, right? Yeah, in the beginning. No, didn't, didn't know. We, we weren't friends as, as kids. But anyway, so we're looking for a singer. So Ruffians has the band. We're looking for a singer. We're auditioning singers. God to have a good singer man so uh we're just literally man we like audition like 50 people and uh and here's a funny story since we're in dublin um uh one of the guys that came out to check us out was chuck billy really yeah and he came down and i forget who he was with but he came out with a friend and chuck was you know a bit older you know well, he's older than me maybe he's older than me yeah yeah so chuck was older and you could sense it man like he'd been around the block he knew what he was looking for chuck just turned uh 57 in july yeah yeah it seemed like man he was really cool and he seemed like he knew what he's looking for in a band checked it out seemed kind of you know a little intrigued but um uh and i remember he didn't even sing he just checked out the music and and uh and we knew a little bit of his history, I think. And, uh, and he said, oh, man, I don't think this is for me. But uh, but there was something like kind of like, man, that guy kind of got away. And uh, But, yeah, but that was interesting. Wow. And so um, anyhow, uh, yeah, it's just I just kind of remembered that after we started talking about it. And so um, we man, we went through so many singers. It was crazy. But Carl Albert actually sang with you. In yeah, the we had a first right? singer for Ruffians, a guy named Rob Bonston. He sang with the band for a while. Did some shows, the shows, Keystone Berkeley shows, uh, did shows with us at Wolfgang's, which was after, you know, the old Waldorf became Wolfgang's. Sure. And uh, and then he left to go do something, and then we got Carl Albert. And Carl Albert, um, my sister saw him in a club singing backups for the Jimmy Lyons band. Jimmy Lyons was a guitar was for, player for, for Eddie, Eddie Money. Money. Yeah, I remember yeah, Jimmy, yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, he wrote the songs. Yeah, right, exactly. He wrote the riffs anyway. So he, he branched off from Eddie Money, and uh, <coughs> Jimmy Lyons had his own band, and uh, Carl sang, and uh, he was so much younger than the rest of the guys in that band. And then Lori talked to him after the show. I was like, you know, she went down there because she had already talked to him and explained to him that we were looking for a singer. So now Lori was where your sister was actually. She was man. Yeah. She's now a manager. Okay. So let's back up a minute. Yeah. Right, let's get into. Right. Was it because because it's kind of like a singer thing. Do you just show up one day and go, I can manage a band. And that's kind of because if you look at it, 
Alexis was the same way because he managed Legacy. Uh, Adam Segan was the same way with Exodus. Right. Uh, Weller was the same way with it. Lori was yours. Right. Uh, Joey Houston did violence. It just it was the guy in the room that went, I don't play an instrument, but Mark, Mark I can. Mark Whitaker? I mean, Mark, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can put flyers on the wall and make flyers and shit. And there are usually people that were really in tune with music Knew their music, knew their metal, but they had something else, man. Like, you know, they could get shit done. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, so uh, Ruffian's just writing the songs. And, and so we're recording all this stuff on cassette, and I played it for my sister. And she just come, she's been living in England for a while. And she'd already had a music background. Uh, she worked for Bill Graham Presents. Um, she was even bef- uh, in 82 working with ACDC for a little while. Went out on the road with them and was hopping out with um, sort of production, production assistant uh-huh. stuff. You know, um, you know, get the guest list there and make sure everybody's you happy. You learn a lot doing stuff. that. Yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah. So I was playing in the song. She goes, this is really good stuff. This is cool. Like, we should do something. I'm going to manage you. And so. Uh, okay. Keep it in the family. Yeah, right. She had like, you know, a business degree at Cal. But more than that, she just had the fire, dude. Right. Yeah. She was. Right. On, so anybody needed. She was on fire. Dude. I didn't know that yeah. Alexis was could, yeah. could do anything, yeah. but he could make the phone calls and get the flyers done right. to get the gigs booked. You got the job. Yeah. Yeah. Alexis, Lori, they could sell like Swampland in exactly. Florida. Exactly. Right? Totally. So, um, so, yeah. So she starts managing the band and. Um, um, that's you know. Then she, when we were looking for uh, singers, then that's how she kind of jumped on and helped us look for a singer. And that's how she found Carl. Oh, and really? so and, and Carl came in the room, man, and uh, we had some songs written. He played with us, and he was just phenomenal. The guy had a set of pipes, like just uh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so he was excited to be playing this kind of music, man. Like oh, I found like like minded people. Like I want you know this was heavier than stuff that he was kind of into. Uh-huh. Man, he was into he like really wild stuff, like Dixie Dregs and stuff like that. And uh, so yeah, so he um. We started, we were just, once we got him in the band, we we're up and running. We already had a show at the Kabuki Theater lined up for Alcatraz. So he's in the band, not but two weeks, man. We're playing the Kabuki. And with then, Ingway and Graham Bonnet. Yeah, yeah, Ingway. Amazing. Ingway has got, and we're playing with like, you know, Loudness, Y&T at the Kabuki. You know, got some good shows, we did man. Get some good we're shows. playing the Stone, we're doing all stuff, like, and, uh, and like, we got to do our own album, man, because we weren't really thinking, like, you know, oh, we got to get signed. We're going to send these demos out. For some reason, Lori was just like, she was such a DIY type person that was uh we're gonna do our own album and this is how it's done and i've got a book and i know where to get, you know i know people that can you know uh have recording studios so um i think the, the it's a big step when you're playing in a band to knowing how to take it to the if you don't yeah, know how yeah. to go to the studio or who to talk to or what studio's good or who's the right producer am i getting ripped off how do you get it out we didn't know. I didn't know anything Nobody about that. Nobody knows that. I mean, we did a 16-track demo <coughs> thing and, and all that. So next thing you know, next thing you know, um, she's um, got studio time booked. And we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, man. We're not ready to do this. She's all, yeah, the studio time's booked. Get ready. So she booked studio. Good manager. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I liked her. She did a good job. She liked you, man. R.I.P., my love. Yeah, yeah, and God bless her. Unfortunately. Um, but um, so yeah, so she books the Studio D, which is like man, like pretty nice place, right? And it costs however much, man, for twenty four hours. Sure. And so she gets uh, her friend uh, Paul Zoll, who was a drummer in um, a band called SVT, kind of a I remember uh, SVT. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. Jack Cassidy, the bass player from the Jefferson Airplane. 
was his band. And they opened up like when I went and saw like Pat Travers a couple of times. Yeah, they were like the opener. Exactly, on that, and know? they were kind of this sort of like kind of edgy punky thing. Yeah, because Jack Cassidy wanted to do something kind of new wavy after uh-huh. being in this hippy dippy right right you know band like sure. the Airplane you know. And so Paul was a great drummer, and um, so Paul, the drummer from that band, and he played in a band called Yanks as well. Um, he ended up producing our album. So we had a drummer produce the album, which Luke Bowman was thrilled about, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. They must have spent so much time getting all the tones. All the drum- yeah, everything was spent on getting drum tones, and that's why we went to Studio D, because they had great drum sound. So we go Everybody in there. Everybody Studio D. Yeah, it, it was like, Lori goes, well, you got, we got the place for 24 hours, so go as fast as you can, right? And so uh, we set up drum tones, recorded most most everything within about 16 hours so we just dropped we couldn't go any further right and everybody's fried carl was had to stay up till four five six in the morning doing vocals because you know he's the last guy to, to do anything i know this you, you know how it goes everybody spends all this time on guitars and yeah, solos the, the vocals down yeah hurry up zet Shake. hurry up zet you got about three days to exactly. do the vocals, you do them all yeah. get them done zet <laughs> three songs a day shouldn't be a problem you can do three or four a day right but if anybody could do it, you could do it. I do do it actually like that. I'm actually, you know, I'm yeah, very prepared. I know how you are, dude. Everybody says that. No so. nonsense. No nonsense. But uh, so so Carl's like that. So then we do the album, we drop, then we go do some overdubs um, a few days later in another studio, mix it. So the album's the whole album done, recording, mixed, mixed in like 30 hours, you know. And songs are kind of a little faster than, you know, because we're excited and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, it would have been great to have more time and you always could have got that much more better but uh better of an album but i always look back at it like that though right it was great man and we came out we lori got like three thousand copies made or something she sent it to every college radio station across the country man Uh, what year is this now this is 85 85 85. she's sending it to everybody she's sending it to uh every fanzine in europe she's mailing every wasn't it run fight for your life right yeah fight for your life's opening track song called wasteland was there a name for the record no it's just ruffians it's just ruffians yeah title and then uh yes because that was the opening track fight for your fight life, for life. Right? yeah fight with your wife fight with your wife oh we had those too. yeah <laughs> believe me what exes had we had to yeah 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 a lot of them yeah but um so yeah man the album comes out and uh then Lori gets it um licensed with um spv steam hammer mm-hmm. which was great for us man because that was huge uh label in europe they're still around yeah they're, they're still, still around records they, and they got still... the album everywhere in europe yeah and um, so the, every, the fanzines, the press is coming in, man, and uh, and it's getting good reviews. And, and you know, we, the, our influences were, you know, the we wore influences on our sleeve. The band was, we, you know, like Iron Maiden, man. We liked, uh, we liked um, uh, Judas Priest. We liked uh, Deep Purple. We liked Frank Marino, Mahogany Rush. We Let, liked, I, I want to I talk about and, that because you, you uh, your band came out in, in, in an era or a, or, or a land... Where thrash metal was God, and and unfortunately, I mean, there was bands like yourself and Y and T and and Vane, yeah, and 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 um um um. Well, Y and T being being uh, another sort of uh, a generation before. I understand yeah, that, yeah. but still, the musical. I think the musical. Um, um, influences was definitely there. If I listen right. to that, the, you know, especially the five, the six songs, I can hear Leopard in there. I can hear that. I hear Scorpions in right. there. I hear so many. Some except you get some heavy, yeah, some, some kind no, of no. stuff like it that. You, know? I could, you can't, you can't say it was like hair metal. It was like 
the Bay Area's version of new wave of British heavy metal to me. You know, that's what, what I mean? it, yeah, that's what it is. It was, uh, and, and I mean, if I look, because again, I said the last couple of days I've been listening to it because I, you know, I knew we were going to do this interview and I wanted to get re. And it's some of the stuff is like, man, it's you could so hear the great influences in there. Do you think that, you know, you kind of got swallowed into the area of thrashness? Oh, for kinda. sure, I mean, for sure. Talk about that, Craig. For you know? sure, man. And I get I get asked that all the time, and like. You know, eight out of ten interviews that I do, you know, that gets brought up. And, um, yeah, you know, I think the thrash kind of started, like, I would say 84, the bands around here. I would here. say, yeah, it yeah. started to cook cause, because uh, we were, Legacy was 80. Late 83, 84 is when we started playing really shows. Really writing yes. songs, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we were like... Um, Influenced by all those bands I mentioned earlier, right? Sure. Yeah, and Michael. So, I mean, yeah. you know, come on. And um, Lizzie, Nazareth. And you I know, think some of the UFO, bands, like, of course, we you know, all were. Yeah, and and uh, uh, forbidden and bands like some of the bands like that, you know, uh, or um, I can't even think right now. But uh, those bands kind of, I think they liked the Iron Maidens and the Dio's too. Sure, so, sure. But they weren't into maybe the Deep Purple. Well, no. I don't know as much as the Mantra and stuff like that. So they were kind of taken, I think that's how kind of thrash, you know, they 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 heard bands like Accept and Metallica. Yeah. yeah. No, Exodus. Exactly, exactly. Exodus. That's exactly what they heard. And let's and just I, be I, honest, man. When, I, when, I, when the word thrash comes up, I mean... Uh, uh, the equal sign goes to Exodus. That's what well, I think, I, I, dude. Because, see, I mean, but for me, who was not in the band in the beginning, so I can be very, you know, objective about this. I was in the outside looking in when I seen Bailoff, and to me, that was like, I, I always explain it like this. So, Zet, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to go see Exomess. Exomess. And they're like, you mean Exodus? I'm like, no, Exomess. Because what's going to happen in there tonight is going to be a fucking full-on mess. And so to me, it was more brutal than anything ever. Even more brutal than Slayer when Suicidal came up oh, to play. Sure. It was just more brutal. Exodus was violence. I mean, I was like, I remember the first time I heard fucking the song Exodus. I'm like, did he just say kick in your face and rape and murder your wife? I'm like, who the fuck writes songs like that? You know what I mean? Bailoff does. Bailoff does. <laughs> of course he does. So to me, it was like this Exodus was this whole other level. But, you know, like I said, I mean, you guys were looped in with Armored Saint, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah that, that type sort of thing. Of- so going back just to kind of wrap that up, I think, um, you know, we were just doing our thing, man. I just doing what came honest to us. And, and uh, we already put out our own album out. And, you know, I was talking to a few people like, you know, metal blade and stuff like that a lot. And, you know, I even was, was asked like, you know, Hey man, you got to write songs more like this and this and this. And, you know, we had some heavy stuff, but I wasn't going to get, you know, just write something, uh, along the thrash vein or just because someone told me to, you know, I mean, I like, well, it wasn't what you guys were doing. We're we're doing right. Exactly. And and so that's why we still played and we still did our thing. And you know, what's great. But, but then we, we, we broke up earlier than all the bands did too, man. Like, you know, the band broke up in like 88, late 88 or something like that. Or mid 88, I think. Some bands violence didn't even have their, or forbidden hadn't even put their first record out yet. Right. Yeah. So. So, but the whole wave changed in that. Do you think that you guys broke up because of that, of, of that whole thing or, you know, was I, I don't think that was like, the, you know, like the nail in the coffin or anything. I think that, yeah, we definitely got kind of swept under, 
because you know we're just doing because our thing, you man. Were in, you were in, yeah, exactly, hey, dude, and the, it wasn't the thing that was necessarily. It seemed like people don't understand that in areas of the United States and the world there were regions, right? Like in LA was very heavily for guitar or hair metal in that respect. They knew that you know San Francisco and like New York and right. Chicago, they had like heavier bands like E Trope and 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 Overkill and Anthrax sure. and and the, and and and. Uh, and the Cro-Mags and the Crumb Suckers and all this type of, you know, hardcore DRI, stuff. hardcore yeah, crossover. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, do you think it kind of got, you know, it was It like got it, lost, man. It got it, buried it a little bit. It, it got, really got swept did. under the rug a little bit. And we had a few strike against us with, uh, you know, Carl left later on. To, Talk about that. Yeah, Talk about he Carl left to go uh, with Vicious Rumors, man. Right. Vicious Rumors, they got signed Atlantic, dude. You know, and uh, and then once, you know. That, That's an amazing record, yeah, by yeah. the way. I, I love and, that Well, album. I think even before that, though, before they got signed Atlantic, uh, Carl did an album with them. So, but um, but they were a great band, man. And uh, so the opportunity was there for him. He went to Vicious Rumors. And uh, we ended up getting rich. Which is wild. He's, he's amazing. Amazing singer. I, I love. Fuck. I mean, I love good singers, man. I mean, I, I like. I, I like playing. And and right, yeah. You were, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. me. I, I make this cool <laughs> sound that matches the music that I play, and that's what's cool yeah. about it. If you ask me to have to go sing for the ruffians, <laughs> I'd fall flat on my fucking face. Sorry, I just and I appreciate the shit out of those singers because I can't sing like that. I mean, you know, I would love to sing like old school Dawkins or. You know, like that. Or, I mean, I could try. I, I don't think it would. Hey, man, we yet. all got to think, dude, what you do night after night, I mean, you're like a Dan McCafferty uh, from, from Nazareth of metal. I mean, Time you out. sound like you got, you, you, you're waking up and you're drinking, you know. Uh, Gargling glass. Yeah, right. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty wild. So, oh, I, you I, know, I mean, I, and you know, what's funny is I just did, uh, we did, well, not just did in December, we had to do a tour with Death Angel and Sodom, and it was 17 shows back to back. Yeah, dude, how do, you, how, how do you, I mean, you're, you're a warrior. Sleep, sleep, you're, <laughs> sleep, yeah. uh, no booze, you right, know, right, right. just keep your shit straight, you know, diet and the whole thing. It's actually gotten easier as I've gotten older because it's more technique now. Yeah, yeah, technique. You, you learn how to sing. Like, I didn't know what back in Fabulous Disaster. Right. Plus, how's that sound? Does that sound good? Oh, I'm almost blown here, but it sounds it sounds long as it sounds good. You know what I mean? Who knew? Yeah. And as you get older, you learn the value of sleep, like oh, you sleep. said, dude. Sleep is yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Back then, sleep was like what? It's like what day is it? What do you mean? Yeah. What day is? It? We're on tour every night, Friday night, right? Right? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. But so, my but my admiration for for you know you guys, man, Exodus bands like Death Angel, and and and, and are just going out and playing night after night like that, man. I mean, that's something else, man. As we're as we're this age, yeah, you know, as we're this age, I think. But then it's in your DNA. You, you guys, you've been doing it for so long. That it's because it's, it's what you do. What we are. It's what, it's what you we do. Are. You know. Well, it's and, what you are too. Yeah. yeah. Because you're, you know, you. We're, and we're going to talk about your, uh, your cover band in a minute. But um, I want to talk about um, going from Carl to Rich. Yeah. And 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 um, and, and the stuff that Rich did was just like fucking awesome. Yeah. I love I love this dear the song that he sang, and um, we have to tell the. The chicken story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken, well, okay. The chicken story has to be told. I'll set it. I'll set it up, and you'll mm -hmm. come with the punchline. Okay. So we had a studio, right? That that warehouse, the Emeryville warehouse, and it was a. Uh, uh, it was oh man, we had the beautiful rehearsal room. It was like well, your side was. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, it was like when I say beautiful. No, your side was beautiful when you guys got the uh, the the capital deal with all the marshals oh, and all oh. the brand new like no, there was I'm like talking about there was twenty clean like. It was this warehouse, right? 
and it was when I joined Exodus, they shared with, with Ruffian, Ruffians. Ruffians had one side of the room, and, and Exodus had the other. The bikes are all set up. There's a whiteboard set. Everything's level. Exodus side, beer bottles, crap, shit lift over, hanging up. I mean, it was like pig pen. Clean pig pen. Right, yeah. And so um, and Paul actually, when I was hired in the band, Paul was living at that studio, and then he actually continued to live there and um right because i was the landlord of that room right i was the guy that right. had to collect then, the money oh, I and, and, and like go pay the guy bags. well you at least you had tony to deal with yeah, yeah. so i dealt with tony and got the money from tony and um yeah so I'd go, oh. uh, yeah so I'd go go pay oh, the guy my. so i was kind of the landlord so that the cleaning thing that was probably like my landlord coming out oh try to keep it clean let's let you know and uh but no there's definitely times it just the, the room would look like that on our sometimes but we just clean it up before the end of the night we did yeah i yeah, think yeah, it I just got spilled into you guys our, are People would animals. use stuff as shit, you know what I mean? It was like the clean, cool band that has their shit together. The band that's fucking, like I said, it's Pigpen and Charlie Brown. It was night and day, man. Uh, but you guys are killing it, man. So, so you continue know. with the, so, the chicken. Yeah, yeah. This so, is so, yeah, yeah. This well, is, um, this is typical Bayloff right here. Well, um, yeah, so vintage Bayloff. Well, I told Tony, I says like, well, no one can live in the studio, man, because like no one's supposed to live there. It's just for like you know bands and people that run their businesses. So uh, and if we do, man, the studio is going to get jeopardized. They'll kick us out in the room, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And so sure enough, I'd come in the room sometimes and like you know whatever, go change my tubes in my Marshall or some shit. And uh, Bayloff would be there sleeping, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh no, hey, what's up, Bay? Hey, man, hey, Craig. And, hey, so Craig, and I didn't want to voice. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I said, oh, babe, you know, you're not supposed to live. And he goes, oh, man, but, you know, I don't have a place to live right now. I said, all right, babe. So I'd have to go tell Tony, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so all this sort of stuff. And then uh, and I think Rich, man, he was living. Our singer was living in a camper outside the place. Yes, but he wasn't yeah. stink inside. He was inside, but he would come in there. So him and Bailoff would hang out a lot. Yeah. God knows what kind of drugs those guys are doing, man. I can but imagine. Uh, uh, but yeah. So then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what happened? I think well, so <laughs> I came to, I remember now, I joined the band now. And so Paul was still, you know, living at the studio that Exodus rehearses in. That was kind of weird. So it was, so it was, what they, they, at least he was, you know, gone every time I came there to rehearse. And even so, Paul and I, there was no animosity towards us. It wasn't my decision. It was theirs, you know sure. what I mean? So, and we kind of kept cool. And every time we played, we always invited Bay up to sing one with, there was no bad blood at all people tried to create that obviously it was a natural progression but, for but everything exactly yeah. so um i guess we came in to play uh to rehearse and rich was up there and somehow he left to he left right and 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 because you know we were going to practice i don't know if he went in his trailer or whatever and he had some food there. He had like, it wasn't even a bucket of chicken. It was fucking the little Kentucky fried chicken thing. Probably had maybe three or four pieces. The three piece so, meal. The, it had the fucking uh, mashed potatoes, the coleslaw, the biscuit, the whole thing. So I know it was there because when we went in there to practice, somebody made a comment about it. They're like, ooh, look. And look, there's fucking somebody left some chicken here. Like somebody said, don't, that's the. The singer for the ruffians. That's his food. And so we kind of respected it, you know, which, well, we did respect it. And so the next day I find out that after we had practiced, we all left. Bailoff came back and there was nobody there, but there was this 
fucking three-piece meal <laughs> sitting there. So Bailoff ate it all. So Exodus and, kind of still ate the chicken, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, ba- yeah. It <laughs> by indirectly, <laughs> by, by, I guess by extension, we did. But uh, I heard about it, and then I heard Rich was pissed. Oh, dude, I'm sure. He, dude, he probably, fucking, did. He probably he went to fucking the- blew it. I heard when he threw a, a gasket. I don't know if the, I wasn't there, but we were coming back to rehearse again, and he had went oh. off on Rick and get and because he, he didn't realize that Bailoff had been the one there. But we knew because and and then Paul admitted it. You know, he was, sure. You know, he didn't. Know I ate the chicken. I ate the chicken. I was hungry. I was sitting there. You know, so it's a matter of a survival. Said, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was it was survival of the Bailoff of the fittest. <laughs> and so I remember that, and it was just so. Exodus, and we talked about ruffians are going to kick us out of the studio. Eventually, we're going to lose the studio because we are just pressing the fucking. <laughs> we play when we're later than we're supposed to. We're way too loud. Look at our side. We don't use a garbage can. It's just you know, there's weed things. And there's a fucking mirror out with yeah. remnants on it. You know what I mean? You know us. So it was like shit. You look, turn around, ruffians. Nice, cool stage to practice on. Shit all taped out. We would just amps cl- all fucking. We just clean our mirror and put it yeah, underneath the amp. Well, at least they were clean <laughs> about it. We weren't. So I don't remember how long more we stayed there. But that area is all you know. Yeah, we, for a while. We, I mean, it's great because I would stay sometimes and watch some uh, a couple songs of your guys, and then split. Right, and then we played sometimes and, right after. You yeah, guys. right afterwards, yeah. and then those um, are the days when we played every single day. And then uh, kids, you guys got all. Yeah, we, we were practicing four nights yeah, a week. Fucking dude. right, yeah, fucking yeah, we, that's had, what that was our what we did. We had two stacks. I had two stacks. Uh, Chris had two stacks. SVTs on the side. We plug. We plug into all the caps. You guys, after you got that, got all those marshals for the got the capital deal. There, capital th- there was like three stacks on each side. Yeah, yeah. Robbie had like four. you know four SVT cabinets. Four SVT yeah, cabinets. Plug into Johnny every- was on a fucking riser that was yeah, yeah. built on fucking. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the chicken. Right. We're talking about the chicken. So uh, Rich comes in and uh, blows up because Exodus ate his chicken, but it was really Bailoff. Well, it. it, it Bailoff will always be Exodus, regardless of it. There, even when I was in the band, you know, and not in the band, Bailoff was Exodus. You know what sure, I mean? It's sure. just the way it is. It's like a Paul. I look at it that way. It's too. like a Paul Diano to Bruce Dickinson I, thing. I, I like, look yeah, at it like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the era. Yeah, totally. You know, but uh, with Rob as well. I don't. I look at Rob's just. You know, that was when Rob played. Was a singer for Exodus. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So um, I look at it like that. But this was back in the day where. Every man for himself, you know what I mean? Jeff Andrews is still Exodus. I I would think so. (laughs) Jeff Andrews is very Exodus. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kirk Hammett is still very Exodus. Very Exodus. The first time uh, I saw Exodus was when I was in Laws. We played Alvarado Park in Richmond. Uh Uh-huh. And um, Tom was the singer. Yeah, wasn't that Gary's first gig or something like that? It could have been. Um, yeah, and then they built a stage, and then we played. I'm and, sure they did. And there was like the the you know dirty bathroom that we went and changed in our spandex and all that stuff that looked like the Scorpions. And then we came out in the park and we right, played. Right. And uh, yeah, and uh, Tom sang. It was like uh, Whipping Queen and uh, uh, what other songs was. Uh, they did running free maiden and did. stuff like that, and then uh, and then that was when they got bail off after that, yeah. Kind yeah, and from what I understood, that he could afford to buy the PA, 
that's why kind of he he was into it. He knew everybody. Yeah, and he, sure. And he says, "I'll buy the I'll buy a PA." Right. And that's how he kind of got in. That's right. what I was told. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he was good friends with Mark Whitaker, and Mark Whitaker became the manager because Mark Whitaker right. saw big things for Exodus. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then he knew got kind of got bail off and you know and the right. band introduced him and uh, yeah I I remember being a. Uh, <laughs> In a guitar, well, one of these places in the San Francisco, like guitar showcase or something like that. I already knew Kirk at that point, right? And uh, so I, I ran into him, and Kirk had his eye on this Explorer, this um, Hamer uh, checkered, like Rick Nielsen, black and white checkered guitar. He's all, oh, dude, check out this car. It's pretty cool. Everybody's kind of getting hot on Hamers a little bit at that time. They were because uh, yeah, Pete yeah. Willis played them. Yeah, yeah, and right, right. I, 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 Glenn Tipton. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they played Hamers. So he had his eye on it. It didn't suit him, I don't think. He never never bought it. But then he's all, he's all, hey, man. He goes, you know Paul Bailoff, right? I go, yeah, yeah, I know I know Paul. And he goes, yeah, dude, we're going to try him out for a singer, man. And I go, really? I said, well, if Paul could sing, I mean, I, I, I never knew it. <laughs> I said, but I said, he sure knows his metal, man. I said, Said, you know, and and he's got the passion and the attitude. That's so what he had. the passion and the attitude. So uh, next thing you know, uh, yeah, he gets the gig. Yeah, so that's it, awesome. It's kind that's, of wild. that's 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 uh, uh, and and he was the man for days. Yeah, yeah, for days. I mean, and he's still the man. He is yeah. still the man. But uh, but that's yeah. wild. That is that's a good one. But you because done... I didn't meet him until. You know, I started going to the shows in Exodus, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And started to see him. And then I met him. Like, I remember one time I was like, oh, there's the singer for Exodus. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Hey, dude, what's up? Right. Hey, guy. He's like, hey, man, what's up? Yeah. Like, you remember your name, you know? Uh, unless you were somebody, you know. Sure. Hey, dude. Hey, hey dude, what's up? Right. With that bass, bass sound. Uh, I was raging with Bailoff back before he's, you know, singing all this so stuff. It, you, it was good, good now, time. When you ended um, Ruffians, Craig, you did you do another band you did another band um after that um you know i started uh i didn't start the band was already going um control right yeah 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 so uh a friend of mine phil had this band control um they hadn't played out or anything um he had all the songs and uh, Phil was friends with Mike Coons, and Mike was still in Laws. So, um, and what Mike, year is this about? This is, is about eighty nine, probably uh-huh. eighty nine. Yeah, somewhere around there, nineties. And uh, Mike goes, "Oh, dude, Phil's got this band. It sounds just like ACDC. It's a hoot, man. These lyrics that he's writing are just—I mean, they're comical, but they're, it's great, man. Good time." So he goes, "You got to come down, right?" And uh, and uh check it out so so sure enough i went down there and uh, i'm like yeah any chance to be malcolm young yeah sign me up right yeah yeah yeah. and uh so uh control was a band we played out like at morty's we played the stone played the omni um you know all those places and uh yeah it was a good time it was i was ready to kind of do i mean my roots were like you know in the montrose and aerosmith and the and the stuff i was kind of ready to go rock guy again you know at that uh-huh. point and so which you are right now definitely yeah you know it's in, it's in my blood but um so yeah control was a fun band and now uh, was mike still singing with laws at that time he was and so, so he's he double duty then, he was double of. duty and and then so uh then when laws would like you know they got a tour they were gone for a long time then we got another singer uh-huh. and which was you know which was great the guy guy was great but it, I mean, how long I, did you go? I miss it? my buddy, man. Being right. a coon, being, sure. a, being a band with coons. How long? How long were you guys? That band playing? went for a couple of years, man. Um, and 
yeah, all the recordings were like top-notch, high-fidelity stuff. And so Phil, the guitar player, he was talking to Johnny Z a lot from, uh, you know, Megaforce. Megaforce. Uh-huh. And uh, Johnny loved the stuff. He loved it. He goes, man, he goes, this is just a hoot. This is fucking great. And uh, because, man, you guys just sound too much like ACDC. I just, I, I can't do it, man. And like, you know, and he's already had a genre that he was pushing, sure, you know. Sure, And so. Um, it would have been too blatant. Right, right. So um, at the, um, Mike uh, uh, was saying, yeah, he's telling me all this sort of stuff. And I remember when we went and saw you play, it was that um, Headbangers Ball tour with, um, uh, was it Exodus? Anthrax and Halloween. As Exodus, Anthrax, Halloween. And as you guys played the Oakland Auditorium. Right. And so right before Anthrax came on, they played a song called Baby Rack My Balls, which was a control song. And they cranked it over the PA because Johnny had hit some of the guys to Anthrax in this demo. It was like, check this out, man. These guys' lyrics are like, we had songs. So the sound man was playing it. Yeah, yeah. so we had songs like Shaking the Snake, Baby Rack My Balls. Uh, like, you know, I mean, ain't no last call for alcohol. So it was a hoot. And, uh, and so they played it over the PA, me and Mike were the show together oh this is great man you know <laughs> but he won't sign us but it'll play us over the pa before no, anthrax goes on was getting into it this, that's why yeah yeah he yeah. turned it on to him he turned it on to him i think yeah you guys are playing a lot of different stuff you know between the bands but yeah it was kind of neat <laughs> it's kind of cool when you're at a gig and you all of a sudden you're hey that that's us yeah i remember the last time the first time somebody played legacy at, at something you know what yeah. i mean it was like a legacy we always had a show and and somebody played a song off the demo it was probably like an exodus or something like and I was all of a sudden, like the stone sold out. And right. All of a sudden, the song comes on. It's Raging Waters or something. I was like, I'm, I'm, listen, man, that's me up there. You know, it's like, now it's like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Raging, <laughs> raging waters. <laughs> and uh, yeah, was that demo one or two? Demo one. Never, demo. There was never a demo two. Oh, two okay, okay. It was just a demo, demo one. one. I remember the demo because that's because that's right. Uh, Alexis. Skolnick. Your sister had a lot to do with uh, guiding alexis in the right direction to do things you know we we went to prairie sun to record that demo i mean every time i talk to alexis about something he's like you know i need to talk to laurie bearhurst first and because you know laurie's kind of like my mentor telling me what to do it's like you know i gotta get alexis on there there you go Walt. yeah, Here's yeah. alexis I There's love Alexis, man. He's still a good friend of mine. And uh, yeah, Lori and him were tight. He was, uh, she was kind of like a little, uh, uh, he was a little brother figure yes, to her. Another, another so. little brother. And, but on the, well, man- like she said, she knew how to attack things. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> us as kids playing music that all we did is we're watching and listening to records of our heroes and copying them. Sure. We don't know the business. Yeah. We don't know how to book a gig. Yeah, right. We don't know how to go do a demo. Yeah. We don't know <laughs> who to call. Who to call. Yeah. We don't know what, what, what to deal. We just sure. did that. But that was the first. That was when I first met you. Was you right. in your legacy? Yes. And then speaking of um, Lori and Alexis, here's a flyer I found. Here's, Look at that. Yes. Uh, can you see that? Ruffians. So legacy. Ruffians legacy at the Stone. That was was what do we say? Eighty four. I'm going to say eighty four. Eighty four. Maybe eighty five. Maybe. Maybe early. Maybe. But no, I'm going to say eighty four. And so. Um, and so this show happened because of Lori and Alexis. Of right, course. right, right. <laughs> Shoot, both the uh, managers. We're going to do, do a show with Breathians. And, and artwork uh, by Mark DeVito. Mark DeVito, of course. 
Uh, and, and who yes. was another? Uh, he did all our flyers. Oh, he just did the he, well, did, he did the two Hatriot records for me. Yeah, yeah. Did did the uh, Ruffians logo? He drew these uh, uh, what Rick Griffin inspired uh, <laughs> the eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. It was like eyeballs on acid or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, man. Amazing. Cool. Shit. So we've known each other for thirty five years, amazing, dude. Amazing because we are still doing this. So um, talk about the reunion that you guys did because you came back in like. 2004 actually and did a couple of festivals bang your head i believe yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. right talk about that yeah so um so yeah you know people started contacting me um uh through you know the, the power of the internet now and then so people started hitting me up like you know where are they now sort of bands and you know, that first ruffians album made a pretty sure cult impression throughout europe you Definitely. know so uh um, it was so europe if yeah, you listen to it yeah. that record is like yeah, German. Yeah. That's got me. I mean, you're the unsung heroes over there, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Germany, wrong it, side of the pond, Craig. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So Dalm <laughs> did Germany did real well in Germany. You know, of course Holland, it did. Belgium, Belgium, stuff like that. Power metal. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so people started kind of uh, contacting me um, through magazines. Started doing some interviews again, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, you know, why do they care? You know, but apparently they did. They do. And they so, still care. Yeah. And so, uh, um, Horst puts on the Banger Head Festival. Yeah. And so um, he contacted me and um, wanted us to do the 2004 and wanted us to do the club date the uh, the night before. And the band had never played Europe, man, back in the day. You know, really? we came pretty close. We were getting, you know, Laurie was trying to get some tour support from Steamhammer and some You stuff. had to have it back in yeah, the day. Yeah, we didn't have any money. And she was, you know, she, you know, she didn't have much money. Right. So, uh um, but yeah, it just, we couldn't really, we we're on the edge of making it happen. It just didn't happen. So it was always a bummer. So, so we go over there, 2004, we play the, the night before the uh, festival and it's, um, uh, death angel, uh, ruffians and a couple other bands or whatever. And like, yeah, place, pre-parties, which are huge. Oh dude, it, place they're hold, just as packed. The place, 10,000 people the, in the, the pre-party. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the place was like held like five or 700 people, but dude, it was like, it was oversold. People were on the wall, on the I ceiling, know, it's man. Unbelievable. So we go in there, we open up with fight for your life. People are just singing all the lyrics, man. To, to the whole thing. I'm looking over at the guitar player, Chris, man, like, going, this is crazy, man. And so, uh, and we had done, some um uh we got approached just before the festival by a label uh to do all the reissues so they reissued the album with like uh uh live uh tracks from the yeah, stone was, from uh -huh. 85 right, or something that. and then uh and mark devito did real great packaging man and all this sort of stuff so and he did some vinyl too uh -huh. as well so when we played you know he was ready to sell all the vinyl and the cds sure you know and we sold all the shirts and uh it was amazing man i was blown away dude i didn't know that that we had that sort of a kind of a cult following over there you did know? that spark doing the next you know yeah. writing new songs i mean yeah, you that know, always happens that way of course man you know exactly so so we do that and then and uh you know we're we're, we're everybody's coming up to us like let me buy it beers man i've been waiting like you know how long to see you right. and all this sort of stuff and then uh of course there's like a chaperone that we get appointed for yeah, the sure. festival oh yeah yeah and, you have a host they're called hosts yeah you got a host and uh uh yeah uh jürgen chomler mutual friend of ours you know jürgen yeah i know Jurgen. yeah great guy talk man. to jürgen all the time yeah yeah, yeah. he's at all the dutch shows he's at, yeah 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 he's... german shows dutch shows he's at all of them so uh yeah he was very instrumental in us getting kind Good. of you know getting out there so he's like uh no nah, man you guys you know you guys are like you know going on like second or third tomorrow he goes it's going to be like you know 
early so for you guys so so we got it uh you know shuffled back to the hotel no man one more beer you know we'll be fine tomorrow and uh don't realize one o'clock comes real quick one o'clock comes real quick in the afternoon so we and the sun's out it's not yeah, like yeah. playing at night no, it's all different dude. yeah we curbed our enthusiasm um, yep. curbed the enthusiasm we we're happy to be there played the festival and played to you know thousands of people it was great man i mean it was it was a real gas and uh and then uh we uh 2004 2005 came around the next year and uh some more re-releases and the band went over there and did like 10 shows 10 or 12 shows um in like five or six countries, and uh, that was great, man. We played the Keep It True Festival, yeah, good, good and, festival, and, and uh, some other stuff. And then, of course, it's like, well, you guys, you must do new album, of course, right, right. And that's the that's the plug, the buzz. <laughs> you must do new album. You, we will sign you to this Happened label. Happened to DDP the same way, <laughs> right? So we're only going to do one record. It's so yeah. Like, then uh, you go over there and you play in front of dead uh, people, and you get this bug, and everybody's yeah. like. We should do another album. So we did. We did an album, and um, and uh, we were, were we worked like maybe. Was the lineup the same? Everybody was the same. Yeah, right? it was the same, man. Because we had uh, um, well, Atch, Luke, Dan, it was, and yeah, Rich, me, right? Atch, yeah, no, Dan Moore though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Dan, so wasn't Dan, on this, Dan, was Dan Moore. When we got back together, it wasn't Dan Moore on bass because he was uh, he wasn't able to do the shows. He had health issues, man. Uh -huh. So um, I called Eric Wong. From uh, Yo, laughing from dead. laughing dead piranha, yeah. Um, all right, so and uh, so Eric had tried out when Dan Moore left the band. We're looking for a new bass player. Um, uh, well, actually, it was in between some point where Dan wasn't in the band and we had another bass player. Then Dan ended up being back in the band, but Eric Wong wanted to play bass, and so it just didn't work out that he he didn't you know come in the band, and so um, and. Uh, so I said, well, man, you know what? We're going to go to Europe. I'm calling Eric Wong. So I called him up. I said, hey, Eric, man, we're going to go do a couple of shows in uh, uh, Europe. We're going to do this like big festival. I go, you want to play bass? He goes, yeah, man, sounds great. I go, okay, right, cool, man. I'll talk to you later. Hung up. <laughs> it was as easy as that. He was in the band. Well, awesome. Yeah, he did. Uh, so, uh, so he played on the record then as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Well, actually, um, another guy did. We'll get to that. So uh, 2004, yeah, reunion. 2005, more tour dates, and it's mostly original band. Me, Luke, Chris, and, uh, and uh, Eric Wong. And then um, uh, we had this guy, Tommy Sisko, playing with us uh, for a while. Um, that was in 2005 tour, uh -huh. actually. And Tommy played in a band with Carl Albert for a little while called Villain. I remember Villain. Yeah, they had an EP out. I remember and, Villain. Um, and Tommy played in Vicious Rumors later. So it was only natural, like, you know, to, you know, same sort of thing. So Tommy came and he did that tour. And then when we did the album in 2006, uh, Tommy played bass on it. And Eric was busy with his band Unjust at the time. Right, I remember Unjust. And Unjust. so, and um, then when it came time to do, uh, the tour for the album in 2006, went to Europe, did a bunch of dates. Uh, Eric Wong came back oh, in. He did. He, come yeah, to play. he did the tour. Yeah. Why did you not use him? Why did uh, you not use Tommy? 
because it was just he was too saturated with unjust. And and I said, man, Eric, man, we're doing the album. Don't you want to play on the album? He no, goes, I mean on the tour. How come he didn't? Uh, play uh, on uh, the oh, 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 uh, Tommy didn't play on the tour. He had other stuff going on. It just kind of didn't wasn't feeling it. And it just you know, and it was it, it all worked out, man. Everything was real amicable. It was all just fine. Everybody just had different things, different things going on in their life. And so, yeah, Eric Wong did that. And so then, yeah, it was 2006. We did a few other shows here and there. Um, went back to Europe, played a few more festivals, and then that was it, man. I mean, I couldn't believe the band was even back together, let alone, like, doing all this sort of stuff. So I felt totally blessed. And uh, it was like a whole other chapter for Ruffians, and it was great. So, now, the question think about doing it again with those guys to try not not saying to do a record just get back together and do a gig or maybe go because i mean when you're gone for such an amount of time you can create recreate yourself on those festivals they'll have you back you know sure, what i mean sure, have you, yeah. you haven't been around for 10 years 15 years you can go back have you <clears> thought about doing it? i mean we're gonna get into your cover band in a minute yeah, because well, that's the yeah. that's the shit that band deserves to be on the main stage and in those fucking festivals but uh, I'm just but saying. yeah, with ruffians, man, you know, I chances are probably slammed. Slim dude. To none, I huh? mean, um, we didn't have, we didn't keep putting out any product. You know, we did that. We got back together, did the full length album, toured all sorts of stuff. We didn't do another album, you know. And and, and if we would have done another album, then you know there probably would have been more shows and stuff like that. I'm not saying you know. You never say never. Not in this. I know, I, yeah, exactly. Because I'm, those, I'm on my third stint with Exodus. I know. Okay, so don't ever <laughs> never say never. When you're a three-time loser, baby, you never uh, say never. You dude, know what dude, I mean? Dude, so, third time's a charm, bro. I, that, well, that's what I said. Exactly. That's what I told Tom Hunting when I came back. It's been five, over five years now. Yeah. Back in I time told Tom, flies, you, man. I go. Well, it's a good thing. I go because this is your third stint. And mine, so three times a charm. And you guys man. are better than ever. Yeah, I think it's, well, yeah. clean air now. Yeah. The air's cleaner to breathe. Sure. You know, the the air's a lot cleaner to breathe. You know, it takes age sometimes to get I there, dude. I guess it dude. does. But, hey, you didn't say you didn't have fun along the way. No, we didn't. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. But, like okay. I said, never say never. We'll see. But that's okay because what we're going to talk about now is the most badass 70s hard rock cover band I've ever seen, ever. And they are the Butlers, and I, obviously Mike Butler is the bass player. But is that talk about how that started? So yeah, Mike Butler um, was in a band with you, dude. Right, Exodus. I know that. Yeah. I love that. The, we <laughs> I, called him I the Chin that. when he tried out <laughs> the because he he held his bass down like fucking Didi Ramone, and he was like. We had 30 guys try out at that time when Dude, Robbie quit. He was going for it. I, and, and so I remember seeing how many, how many times I've seen Exodus with, with Rob McKillop, right? Rob stood there, picking his hand, digging in, did his thing, digging. didn't move. Rick and Gary moved like they were no, crazy. No. And you were, and you were, you guys had this sort of like uh, yes. flow thing going, covering yeah. all aspects yes, of the exactly. stage, man. It was amazing. Robbie just stayed back. Robbie exactly. stayed back. And then to go from that to Michael Butler running around like a maniac, then you had four maniacs in the front, dude. Bang, I mean, banging this. I mean, crazy. Just, just going. I, I loved, I loved that. I remember the first time I saw him with Exodus, <coughs> it was at one of those like foundation forums. Yes, things exactly. Down in LA, yep. one of those industry yep. shows. And it was like in the hotel and he just jumped out right away, foot on monitor. I was like, who is this guy, man? Yeah. That's why and, he got the gig. Yeah. <laughs> we really were, there was other guys like Adam Deuce tried out. Right. There was a bunch of bass players that tried out, but he held his thing he had his chin. He came and he looked like fucking Didi Ramone. So we gave him the gig. A nice guy. 
But Greg got quiet. Nice guy. Quiet. quiet. He's he, great. Ready? Very agreeable. Very agree, yeah. We were talking about that the other day. Says Stevie he, Stiletto. Yeah, Stevie Stiletto. <laughs> he I said, gotta get him in here. But oh. Michael Butler goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, man, that was some of the greatest, one of the greatest time of my life playing in Exodus and and uh, doing the album and like being in England and all that yeah, sort of sure. stuff recorded. Yeah, we had to fly to, but we played Battery Studios. Yeah, How many yeah. great records yeah, were right. recorded at Battery Studios? Right, right. We locked it out. Yeah. How much did that cost? Oh, my oh. God. Um, <laughs> uh, that trip, I, I'll be honest with you. That trip to England with the flats, the recording, the producer, the 270. Wow. Grand. Yeah. But it, yeah, I yeah. can open four strip clubs. That's what Pantera guys went and did. They were the smart ones. We were but dumbass. What do you know? You know man, what? Because you know what? The next record is going to be so huge. You know, that's the mentality. Capital money, man. I oh, mean, capital money. Hey, let's. That was, that's a, it, you it was know? seven record deal, three and a half. The million. pints are on capital. Oh, everything was yeah, on capital. You know? It was great till yeah. till it wasn't on capital yeah. anymore. <laughs> and then it was like, uh, what is this? This is like, uh, 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 what? What do you mean we owe you money? Well, what we have to pay this back? Yeah. What? That you was know? that was a loan, guys. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is not free stuff. Yes, it is. Bullshit. Kick us down for that. And uh. so it's like. We don't have to pay this back. They gave it to us, right? Uh, you find out really, really, really hard how quick, how it accumulates. How quick $270,000 goes. Oh, plus the $80,000 video that we did that we were on the hook for. Yeah. And uh, like, what was the artist? The amazing. Oh, Ralph Steadman, the oh, guy who did all of Hunter S. Thompson. You get Ralph he Steadman. He was 30 grand alone. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was 30 grand just for the fucking album cover. And he doesn't talk. He, he won't do art for anybody, dude. He won't. He must have like. couldn't even he, talk to him. Yeah, he must have been like, he goes, these guys are so outrageous sounding that I got to do this. Like, well, he probably. Look, he, he's a rebel. Didn't even you know? talk to him. We he our people got a hold of his people who got a hold of him. Yeah, he did it and sent it to us. That bird looking fucking right. thing. That was what we. That's got. what you get. There was no. Well, you know, can you go fix this? There was no second drafts on that. Can That's the beak we'll, be a little bit exactly. smaller? No, like that was so not Exodus, and I'll get into that record. That's sometime. like Martin Birch, like uh, uh, producing your album, or or, or, exactly. or yeah, or George Martin, or exactly. somebody along those lines. You know, it's like no, we're keeping that solo. Yeah. Now, um, now you guys. You play everywhere. You guys do everything that's possible. And you've been together how long now? The bu- I man, you know, it's been interesting. Because ACDC's it's, it's, been together it's, now it's been 10 about, years, yeah, so you about, guys have been it, way it, longer than that. It, it's like, it, maybe like, it's got to be 11 or 12. Yeah, because yeah, we were like right after you. I, I, I started ACDC in like Dude, it's, 2009. It's, just, it's so. crazy. Dude, look. We're all in it for no more or no less than a good time. Oh, that's what it is. You know, and it's, and, and, uh, it's, I guess when you're having that much fun with, with guys that you like that much and uh, it just, maybe time flies. But the whole thing just started like, you know, just sitting around me and Billy, Bill, Billy Rowe, Billy Rowe. who's uh, a guy who's been in the Bay Area scene, man, for oh, a yeah, long time. Yeah, another band that was, uh, that yeah. should be, you know. Yeah, yeah, Jet Boy. Jet Boy. You can't, if you're going to talk about, you know, Ruffians and Y&T and those bands, that Jet Boy's in a vein, which yeah, we yeah. need to get into Great before band. you And it's funny because like, because like, the, like, you know, the, those bands were looked at like you know kind of posers and stuff like that because the dress and all that stuff. But man, you listen to that music, dude. Like some of the, like you know, there's some vein songs and like I mean, there's some stuff that they're digging in, man. Jet Boy, they had like a they had an edge, man. Remember when they played Dan the Green with fucking <laughs> yeah. uh, with uh, uh, yeah. White Snake and yeah. Motley Crue and yeah, Poison? Totally, totally, man. They had they had a sound, they had an edge, man, and, and uh, songs and all that sort of stuff. So so me and Billy continued to stay. You know, we always knew each other, and then uh, so we're talking around about. I think it's me, uh, Billy, and Eric Lannon, and 
talking about like just doing a fun thing, playing all the songs that we, you know, puked to in high school. So, um, so we said we need a singer, and then Billy goes, "Oh man, Graham." He goes, "I know a guy." And so I, I didn't even know Graham at that point. And, of course, Michael Butler was already going to be the bass player. And so, uh, yeah, we got... Is it called the Butlers because of Michael Butler, or is it... Or is it yes. It and is. here's the thing. We sit around trying to, you know, five guys trying to come up with a name and agree upon a name. That ain't never going to happen. We had 100 names in the hat, right? I mean, there's some pretty good names, but someone didn't like this, didn't, someone didn't like that. And then... Uh, I forget who it was. It's probably Eric Lannon. And he goes, we'll call the band the Butlers. And he just looks at Mike Butler. Because, you know, Mike Butler's the quietest guy. Has like, you know. But it could mean, a lot. It could mean like, you know, a butler for, a, you know, a rich Well, the no, Butlers, it wasn't you know? like that at all. He looked so, at Michael Butler just to go, we're going to call the band the Butlers. And Michael Butler goes, no, please don't do that. And oh, so, my God. You did that so perfect. <laughs> don't do that. Don't call Please don't do please. that. And it's a, right then everybody goes, okay, there it is, Michael. It's, it's the, the Butlers. Butlers. Yeah, exactly. And, so and he was just like, no. <laughs> so then we all just... We played off like the Ramones, we're all brothers right. type of thing. I know? tease him yeah. about that all the time. I'm all, wow, you must be major having a bad name after your donut <laughs> ain't name because I tease him all the time. Oh, like, yeah, I'd hate wow, you. your own name and yeah. your own band. I don't even have my own band called Zetro. I mean, you know, it's like, he's like, yeah. he, I just do it because oh, I dude, know he digs just at Just torture him. him. He's the most modest guy oh, totally. off, off stage. Greatest, great player, can on, play everything. On stage, he's not very modest. No, no, he's, yeah. no, he's the man, <laughs> he's definitely. The man. But uh, definitely. But yeah, so uh, it's a good time, man, and we get all our friends to sit in and jam with us, dude. You're a butler. I am. I have you're, been a butler yeah, a few times. Official, yeah, well, we, we've been. I on, love that. Yes, you you jam with us a few times. Like yeah, Judas yeah. Priest. I did Queen. I tie your mother down half dozen times. Probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did I? I uh, um, ACDC song. I gone. No. Um, Touch um, too much. Touch too much. Shoot that. Yeah. Um, bunch um, of tunes. Yeah, dude. bunch of tunes. Um, Chuck set in with us once with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Demel's, uh, Phil Demel set in with us a yeah, lot. All the butlers, all the Bay Area uh, butlers. Dave Rude from Tesla, he sits Love in Dave with Rude. us. Uh, nice guy. Great guy. Him and Phil Demel kind of fall into the category of like nice guys. These guys they, that play are very genuine. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, man, just, you know, just nice guys. But um, you have yeah. anything coming up? Talk about if you got anything coming up right now with the butlers. Yeah, the butlers. Book? We're playing uh, in Walnut Creek at the Retro Junkie. Give me a date. Uh, September 21st, Saturday. And then we're playing uh, Club Fox in Redwood City. Love that place. Yeah, great, great place, man. They we, they go crazy for us down there, so it's always it a good a time. Good, they yeah. love the they love tribute rock. shit down there. They love their, it's like the KOME crowd down it, there, totally, dude. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice little area there, you know what I mean? Like Kind of like yeah. a... Little bistros and right. restaurants all around yeah, there. It's well, kind of cool. That used, used to not be like that, dude. Well, no areas were like that. Yeah, yeah I know. Been, it's so like the China Basin wasn't like that before yeah. Pac Bell Park either. You know it's, what I mean? It's like downtown Disney down there. But yeah, so we're playing down there at the Club Fox, and that's a Halloween show. That's October 26th. And after that, we're playing up at the that Rock University Club up in Santa Rosa. Oh, nice. It's a real nice place. Um, that's in November sometimes. 16th, I think. November so where 16th. can you get Butler's information you want to find? You want to go see the best hard rock, 70s hard rock cover. I mean, we're talking about... Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Who opens with Cheap Trick? That's so Sweetest. awesome. Yeah. Are you ready to rock? I love that shit, man. Cheap Trick, ACDC, UFO. UFO, UFO Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy, of course. Uh, that stuff. Yeah, whatever. The, the Who. Queen, The Who, Nazareth. Nazareth. 70s hard rock. Alice yeah. Cooper. All that That's kind the of shit, shit, man. It's the shit. That's what we were born on. <laughs> That's us part of our DNA. It is our DNA. So um, it is our fucking yeah. DNA. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to get you back on stage again. I'll come back when you're in. Around, yeah. 
I get some stuff. I'm kind of busy in September. I that's, know. That's the time. 21st, I'll believe, uh, be in Atlanta with Exodus. Right. And then uh, some stuff and then up. I was in ACDC for a night. Yes, you were. You got to Dude, play in my tribute band. That was for, great, for man. Yeah, you did play in ACDC for one night. You got to be Malcolm. And I do it pretty to the fucking T. So you kind of got to do it Dude. like they do it because we're... Hey, don't tell me, man. If I'm going to show up for Malcolm Brady, right. all You're right? You're going to be Malcolm. Right. I, I'm planted. The right foot's moving. The neck's just doing the peck just enough. Uh, yeah, first position chords all yeah, day long. Exactly. Come on. You took in, and, you know, he took over for um, <laughs> our, our, well, you know, our, our regular guitar player who's, well, that's been revolving, but he's been great. He actually did a butler stint, Joel Proto. Joel Proto, he's a butler. He's the, he's the butler, yeah. too. Um, you, you came in for him. Now, he was actually out with Vane at that time and I want you to, to you did a stint with Vane before I let you go you gotta you gotta talk about that a little bit yeah um yeah Joel Proto first off yeah can't say enough nice, uh, nice things about, about that guy man love Joel and so, Aaron Proto those yeah, are my yeah. favorites so he's a butler man he does shows with us and um so yeah so he's in Vane now and um uh yeah you called me up to do that because he was uh he had to do that but i want you played in vain for a little so while i did yeah okay talk about that okay that was 2000 2000 and uh i was just kind of looking for people to play with do something different man and um so i got on the phone it was like through an ad or something and uh I love uh, Davey, by the way. Yeah, I got a call guy. from Davey Vane, and we start talking, and I don't know it's him, right? But, I, but I'm going, this guy's voice, man, kind of sounds familiar. Like, you know, we're talking, he's all, and, he, you know, we're about like, dude, we're like, you know, 10 minutes in the phone conversation. And uh, I go, hey, man, I got to tell you, I go, I don't know who said it first, but, you know, I was like, your voice sounds really familiar, man. It might have been me. And he goes, I go, I, I go, do I know you? I go, my name's Craig Bearhorst. And he goes, dude, it's Davey Vane. And he's all ruffians. I'm all vain i'm just like wow Hot. so it was just it was it was a trip so he's all hey man i got this thing it's not vain but it's just davy vain we're doing and uh <clears throat> we do a few vain songs but i'm doing a solo thing i'm gonna do this record so we start playing i do a solo record with him and we do shows around the uh san francisco we go down to la and play and um and you know shows around california and so um that goes from about 2000 to about 2004. Really? Yeah, and we're playing, but there's a lot of record, a lot of recording. You, there was a recording, a lot of recording there. time during that time, and and Davey didn't want to play that many shows because he was really concentrated on like recording, and so, um, so yeah, and then um, I I'd gotten back from uh, you know that Ruffians reunion in 2004, and I was telling those guys like, dude, dude, like, hey man. Got to do this. This is it's all happening right now. Vane, go over there right now and just kill it, man. You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, someone talked to me about that. Davey was saying and all that, and so, um, so yeah, and so they ended up getting. Uh, I ended up leaving the band in 2004. Ruffians was just was just doing too much, man. Uh -huh. We're going over there, and then and uh, maybe 2005 it was, and we're getting and ready. You're to, trying to run a business over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm a business owner, dude. That's right. You're you know, to I run mean, a business. Yeah, I'm trying to run a business, and uh, you know that's taken that monopolizes my time. I know this, believe me. I <laughs> Being know a this. band at night and do all this right, sort of stuff. Sure. So I ended up, and you're uh, not 18 anymore. Yeah, I ended up walking away from that, but I I already knew that it was okay. It was the right thing for everybody because I knew I saw what was going to happen. They were going to go get back together, 
bands get back together, play the festival. And when you do those festivals, they want you to have as many original people in the band as oh, possible. They, do. they want that's that, the, exactly. They want it as genuine as possible. Sure. And all the Vane guys are around, man. So they got everybody, you know, and you know, and uh, the original guys. So I wouldn't have been there anyway, man. So uh, that makes sense. And, and and it all worked out. So um, that's good. And I'm still friends, good friends with Davey. And, yeah. Uh, so, so I still see. Yeah, him from time yeah, to time. yeah, yeah. He's only my one. first gig back to Exodus in 2014 when I yeah. came back. Very first show was Bang Your Head Festival in Germany. Right. And Vane was the opener that day. Yeah. Davey, I hung out with Davey the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. He was using um, European musicians at that time to sure. play with him. Yeah, he was just get, he was getting people over there because it's just easier. Sure. Um, kind of, kind of he was he, recording bench and stuff players. Over there, When they yeah. first got the be- get together, I think they had the original guys. But uh, but he's got a kind of rotating lineup a little yeah. bit. And um, But yeah, Davey, he produced uh, the first Death Angel album. Yes, he did. The Ultraviolence. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's right. Davey's a very brilliant guy in the yeah, studio. Good in the very, studio, and that, that was the whole the connection studio. to Cat. Yeah. Yes, oh, Cat. Because Cat right. was managing. Yes, yeah, she used yeah. to do, uh, and she used to do. Um, remember the River Theater was that? Yeah, that totally. was her thing. Yeah. She was the thing there. Everybody incestually. Yeah. Anyways, what's the big hair guy doing producing uh, the, thrash the, metal? Thrash metal. <laughs> yeah, he knew it. He was a friend. Of, well, we always talk about. It was like, well, Davey, no, there weren't a lot of chicks at the Exodus shows or thrash metal shows back in those days. So we'd go to Vane shows to get laid. You know, to see girls, it was all girls. It was 90% fucking chicks at Vane shows. I tell them that today if I see them. Oh, oh, yeah. We used to go to Vane's. We would be like, hey, what's up? And he's, he'd tell us, why are all the thrashers coming to my show? Well, that's why, bro. All that's why. night long. <laughs> hey, 90% yeah. girls were bras remember when they were oh, just the era oh. where they were just wearing bras to gigs all the yeah but oh yeah. my yeah but the shows we played even ruffian shows no there wasn't that was there wasn't many chicks dude we went to the glam shows for the girls and and uh we have this ongoing joke what's got uh, two thousand feet and two tits an exodus concert yeah you know what i mean so it's kind of we always between us which isn't true there's a lot of girl fans and as as the 80s started to teeter even more like towards fabulous and impact and in pleasures there was a lot more, and there were girls were like, we we're like, this is kind of like guys' metal, and girls were like, no, this isn't. It's girls' metal. And I was like, fine with us. We're young bucks, and we're, we're cool with that, so it didn't matter. I could still smell the Aquanet. Uh, the, I, are you <laughs> kidding me? We didn't have it, but there was that spandexitus for a while. You know, I never wore them. I never wore them. Hey, you ain't got a picture of me in spandex and nobody, but uh, you got that going for you, Zach. So, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is nice. nice. So before I let you go, let me know who you were. Uh, who is your major influence? Who's your like favorite dude? Who's why are you doing this? Why are you this guy? Well, I mean, I get I keep, you know, recreating myself along the journey, right? You know? That's the only way to stay relevant, right? Yeah. Well, in some ways, but um I mean, at the beginning, you know, it's because, you know, I saw Song Remains the Same movie or something or I heard Led Zeppelin or, you know, and I said, "Man, I, I that you know, and and that was for so, me. That yeah. was the one for me. And so people I mean, know that. you know, influences. I mean, you know, there's Peter Frampton. I, I learned how to play kind of guitar by listening to Jimmy Page a little bit. Like, yeah, he's kind of sloppy. Yeah, I can play that. You know, and, that's what I liked about yeah, it. You know, and it's it's real. You know, and uh, so uh, there's that. I've been influenced. Like you know, obviously, we mentioned uh, the bands that influenced Ruffians. You know, whether it be Deep Purple, Iron Maiden, or Judas Priest. Um, you know, I think, uh, but I'm playing guitar-wise. I'm influenced by like people like uh, the guitar player from Free. 
Paul Kossoff. Uh-huh. I mean, just the simplicity of his playing and the honesty, man. And uh, I think uh, people like, uh, you know, like. Remember when we were doing ACDC uh, rehearsal, we were talking about like the first live Pat Travers record. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that lineup alone is it's just killer. fucking it's a killer. And, and I know, you know Gary. Gary oh, yeah, loves totally. that too, and, you know, man. That's, you know, you know yeah. Pat Thrall. Yeah. You know, Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, you know, good stuff. But yeah, Mars Cowling on bass. You yeah. know what I mean? Just, but I like, I like Jay Giles' band, man. I mean, you know, uh, stuff like that. I love... Uh, you know, I like the blues stuff, too. I mean, heavy blues. Um, you know, I, so many bands I can't even think of, right? UFO, come on. UFO, come on. UFO's yeah. everything. Yeah. So now um, your relationship with Jell, Aaron Jellum, has flourished in, in a whole nother way. Yeah. And you guys are actually business partners. Yeah. For those people that don't know, and it's uh, TNT. Yeah, yeah. Right? T- Talk about TNT. So, um it's a business that me and Aaron Jellum own. We've had it for probably a uh, good, you know, going on 25 years. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, like we talked about how music, being kids, was like the first vehicle for our kind of uh, meeting each other relationship. And now it's become entrepreneurship. Right. Yeah. So, right. Um, yeah, me and Aaron were uh, living... Um, Together in Oakland, down High Street, down man, remember the High Street pad down in Oakland? We had some after parties. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yes, it was. We had some ragers there. Good ones. Yeah. So uh, we were working for a screen printing company, printing T-shirts, and then um, there was a guy that we knew, and he was printing all the shirts for um, uh, NWA. Right. And so Oakland cat. And so he was in with these NWA guys, man. And we kind of met him through, you know, working at this other place and all this other stuff. He's like, man, you guys got to print my T-shirts, man. So we would rent other people's shops that we knew. Like at night, we'd be up all night printing NWA shirts, dude, all night long. And we're looking at the cover of them. It was like a character. I mean, the front of the shirt, it had like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and and all this. So we're like, who are these guys, man? Ice Cube. Right, you know, and so MC Ren, yeah, Yella, yeah, 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 all that sort Eazy-E. of stuff. Yeah, it's an eight ball posse was the on right. the back of the shirt, man. And uh, yeah, we should re- reprint some of those. And uh, but anyway, so we're printing those like mad, some long hair, you know, crazy long haired heavy metal white boys printing t shirts for NWA. And he would run them down there and bring the money back to us. And me and we're like, oh, dude, we're making some money, man. Like, we got to start our own business, we can do this, right? Wow. And so we got the opportunity to buy some equipment really cheap. And that studio that we're talking about, we're both, we both practice, Ruffians, um, you know, Exodus, Exodus. Lost Rocket practice right. down there for a while. Sure. <clears throat> we partitioned half of that room for the business, and the other half of the room was for like a rehearsal spot that we had. And that's where we started the business. And that was like in uh – I don't know, like 91, 92 or something like that. Amazing. And so, yeah, it's been a slow burn, man. But uh, we, uh, the, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, one of the go-to screen printers. Yes, you are. In uh, the Bay Quality Area. t-shirts, definitely. Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. You did time. some Hatriot stuff. Yeah, man. We've printed a lot of shirts for the, for the bands and everybody. So that's, our, that's the gig, man. That's what pays the rent. That's awesome. That's something's so, got to do that. Yeah. So I see uh, Jell-O, man, all day. Every day. Your wife. That's your boy. I yeah. wasn't. 
Tell him, tell him, get him in here, Craig. I've yeah. been up his ass the last uh, couple of weeks. I'll be yeah. Law's Rocket Stories. I'm going to get Aaron Joe oh, in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to use your influence on that. Now you've come in and did yeah, the man, he, gotta, He's got stories, no, yeah, dude. I know. I know. I have to spend a whole day with him. He's probably. got good stories. You guys have been friends for a long time. Oh, I know. Time, yeah, yeah. Man. And the Bailoff stories he got through the best because he, oh. he was like, you know, he grew even, up with- on, even on the record, you see there where they're carved into yeah. each other's arm on the, on the Exodus record. It's in the. In the sleeve. They go back a long yeah. ways, man. Yeah. So, yeah, he's Jeremy's uh, uh, family, man. His family. Family. Well, hey, brother, thanks for coming into the vault. Yeah. Thanks for coming and hanging out and telling the story like it is, man. So, you guys, leave me kind. First of all, tell everybody where they can get butlers, where they can find what you're doing right now. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, yeah. If you want to go see the butlers, uh, uh, you can go check out um, butlersf.com. Butlersf.com. Yeah. Telling so. you. If you need somebody, bar mitzvahs, it don't matter. Whatever. They're the best hard rock 70s cover band there yeah. is that I've seen. That's why I'll sit in the many yeah, times. We're, we're, uh, we're not a cover band. We're a band that plays covers. No, that's true. That's <laughs> a, you're a tribute, actually, because you tribute every song. That tribute. You play. I don't know if I can. Yeah, you know. I do a tribute. I, the yeah, thing yeah. I do is kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the tribute. You guys. Leave me comments. If you saw the ruffian somewhere, if you remember them from the 80s, leave me comments and share this with everybody. And remember to subscribe to my channel. And for me and Craig Beerhorst, uh, we'll see you guys real soon. You'll be back, right? Hey, man. Love you, bro. I love you, brother. All right, man. Yeah. Right on. We'll see you guys in the vault real soon. Mm-hmm.